0: madness is upon us. It's time to break down the brackets on this episode of That's What G Said. We will talk about the bracket with our good friend Eric from Etoff 21 Sports. We'll go game by game, region by region, and we'll get into every single matchup helping you fill out your bracket for your office pools, for your family pools, so you can make a few bucks. We'll also... Talk a little wrestling this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Now, because I recorded this early on Wednesday, it'll just be WWE for this week. So we recap everything going on in the world of SmackDown, Raw, and then NXT. We'll also give out a couple plays for Friday, Golf Stream Park. We got a few best bets for Friday. I, I waited on Santa Anita, mainly because it's been raining all throughout the week so far the last couple days so i'm not exactly sure what the friday card will look like what the services will look like so we'll wait we'll play that by ear and if you need more help on friday morning we'll uh, be part of that stable duel live stream this weekend in stable duel you can come join us at a 10 o'clock a.m eastern time and get some best bets for friday and for saturday with myself with matt desantis and with barry spears so that's on friday and uh, that'll be Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. if you want a little bit more help with horse races for this weekend. This episode is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at Bets. You want to give them a follow because over the next few days, Thursday morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, there'll be a preview of all 16 games for Thursday. Friday morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, preview of all 16 games for Friday. Saturday and Sunday morning, we'll preview all eight games there, totally free. At BTV, go give them a follow at BTVBets. Now, first up, let's dive into a couple quick best bets for Friday, Gulfstream Park, with the horse racing portion of this episode. Mm-hmm. horse racing fans many of us have been using the DRF the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left, it opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets, get real time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse, and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts For replays if you get the formulator version And even on the classic past performances You get the home screen with horses With odds, with buyers You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph You can rotate your phone for the best view And any horse that you click on You'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional Classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering
1: True. But no, no, no. Stable Duel.
0: Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Stable Duel will also have games that start on Thursday that will be qualifying games to get you one of the 16 teams that make the Sweet 16. So you'll get an extra bonus if your team goes on and wins it all so go to Stableduel.com and read the details and the fine print on these contests that they're going to have coming up the next few days if you're a college basketball fan you'll love that make sure to come join us on friday morning 10 o'clock a.m eastern time matt desantis barry spears and myself will get you all set up with the all the great information for stable Duel contests each and every weekend let's uh let's talk a few best bets for Gulfstream Park for Friday get those past performances out you can hear in my voice I'm still a little under the weather it's been months months two days three days I'm okay then back for another three or four days I just cannot get rid of this Gulfstream Friday we'll take a look at races one five and six so in race number one they'll go a mile on the turf courts it's a maiden special weight race I like the four in here Windsor Park Windsor Park debuted on February the 4th at Gulfstream Park going a mile and 70 on the synthetic and had a good start, got hooked four wide, was in between, took back a little bit because was chasing a runoff winner, a runoff leader, and then made a big three-wide move up the challenge at the top of the lane. I thought it was a, a nice performance first time out of the box, middle moved, and for it was for a barn that does not really crank horses up first time out. They're much better second and third starts. Windsor Park goes out for Shug McGahee, uh, Stuart Janney, whose connections owned the dam and owned and trained the dam carriage trail who was a graded stakes winner grade one placed and was a stakes winner on the turf was grade two placed on the turf and won multiple times has also produced a uh, winning turf full so lots of turf here a little bit of class for windsor park i think it's a good spot six to one on the morning line anything over four feels fair in race number five i did think that there was a good amount of speed in this race And I I felt like it should set up pretty well for the one Don't Get Cozy. Right next door, Beth's Dream is going to take some money. It looks like there's a good amount of speed. So with Beth's Dream flashing early speed, with Music City Star stretching out from the sprints, with Jungle Juice wanting to go, I think there will be enough to set it up for Don't Get Cozy to save all the ground from the rail and come running. Look at the fractions that she chased last time out, the one. She was behind 50.70 half mile. In the Grade Three Royal Delta, behind classier runners, she's faced Kathleen O, Sweet Danny Girl, uh, Mary Quite Contrary. The last, you know, in her last five starts, just a softer spot and looks to get a better setup in here. Seven to two on the morning line, a horse who I'll uh, I'll build some exotics around in the fifth. In the sixth race, if you're playing any multi exotics, there were two horses I thought were interesting in here, and again, it looked like a few speeds where you have. Oglethorpe, I think, will be forwardly placed. Uh, Memories are magic, I think, will be forwardly placed. They they cut back, so it's not like they're a speed demon, need the lead, but Racket will be close up. You're going to have Exact Estimate close up. Zakari will also be close up. So there should be at least an honest pace in here. And I thought both the one and the two could get nice trips in here. First, the one most wanted man was favored first start off the claim for Michael Maker, so now we'll go second start for this barn. And this horse moved early, going a mile and a half, now cuts back to a mile and a sixteenth, second start off the short break. I think the one should save ground and come running. The two, Orthis, is a first-time starter for Christophe Clement. Christophe Clement is 17% over the last five years with first-time starters going along on the turf. 33 wins in 196 starts for horses going long on the turf, 43% in the money, and a $2.63 ROI. If this horse can just settle, should have some pace to chase in here. His dam won on the turf at a mile and a 16th. She only raced twice, so she was one for two. And the lone sibling that he has won on the turf. I'll use the one and the two in some exotics there. Whichever, we'll see whichever one is the better price. Maybe we can play that one uh, on the win end. So a couple horses to use on Friday at Gulfstream while you're kicking back watching the NCAA tournament games. Good luck on Friday. Make sure to get involved in those stable dual contests. Now as we move on over to talk some college basketball and the bracket, I want to remind everyone about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast. Cindy Carava, full service realtor. Cindy Carava, she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of lenders if you need help with a, a loan. Maybe you need help with home improvement. She can connect you with. The vendors that she knows, the gardeners, the landscapers, the painters that she has experience working with, folks that she's uh, she knows are uh, dependable, that will help you out, that will get you great prices, that will get exactly what you need. That's her job. Just to find whatever you need, make your life easier, check out her website, C-I-N-D-Y C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Next up, it's the bracket breakdown. Get your bracket out. Eric and I will go through all the matchups, each region, upset picks, who we like, all the way down to the national championship game. It's time to break down the bracket 2023 with Eric. I'm to talk brackets. We have a full bracket breakdown coming up for you. Eric, who has been here on the That's What G Said podcast show every single week over the last few years talking NFL, college football, NBA. Now it's time to dive into the bracket. Eric, a lot of fun as we get set for uh, for this week coming up. You and I are recording this on Tuesday night. So we've already had two of the play in games Tuesday night. There'll be two more Wednesday night, then 16 games Thursday, 16 games on Friday as we get set for a couple of the best days in all of sports. This is a conversation you and I are going to have on a few different shows. On my show, we'll talk about it on the BTV show. You just recorded one of your podcasts. So lots of March Madness on your brain this week.
1: I mean, I love this time of year. I love basketball. I'm a huge huge head. I've always had a special place in my heart for college basketball. So I really like these. Like the first two days are great. Day, Saturday and Sunday are great. This is just a great time to be a basketball fan.
0: Okay, well we're going to go through this bracket right now. We'll, you know, give you uh, thoughts on most of the the matchups, ones that are super obvious or we don't have a lot to say, we'll just move through. We'll tell you some teams that we're playing, some games and numbers to keep an eye on. And we'll start up in the top left corner if you're looking at your bracket at the on the bracket that we are looking at, top left corner is the south bracket. So Alabama is the number 1 seed in the south bracket. And it's tough Eric because uh you can't really have the conversation about Alabama without having two conversations. One on the court. They're a fantastic basketball team. No, no doubt about it. They're one of the best teams in the country. They are very, very well balanced. They have a fantastic offense. They shoot the ball at a high clip. Their defense is very, very good when you're looking at adjusted defensive uh, metrics. But the one thing we talk about with Alabama, their best player, Brandon Miller was involved in an incident earlier this year where he drove a gun, transported a gun, a murder weapon, to another uh, friend of his that ended up using that weapon. Now, he hasn't been charged with anything. I don't think he should be charged. I'm not saying he should, but it does feel a little bit weird that he hasn't missed one second of one game because of that. And that's, that was, I think, the one thing where I was surprised that they didn't take him out of a game or two, put their own type of suspension on them because this isn't necessarily a legal issue, but every team has like a code of conduct that the team has to um, abide by or, or sign that you're not going to get involved with this or you're not going to do that. Every time Alabama plays, that's going to be a conversation. And they've tried to get him out in the media a little bit, Eric. Uh, but they're not letting him answer any questions about the incident. He just comes with the no comment. You, in some of our conversations, have pointed out this is going to be a little bit of a different animal for him, though, because every time they play, they go out there, the media is going to get bigger and bigger every round, from the first round to the round of 32, then the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. He's going to be dealing with pressure and hostile fan bases and reporters and people that are trying to get Really important information out of him. It's hard not to talk about that as well as the basketball with Alabama.
1: Yeah, it's something that's going to be there, um, you know. And then plus the effect it has on the teammates and everything like that. Uh, it's going to be under a magnifying glass. I'm don't know. Like, there's so much stuff. I don't want to really get into what happened because the honestly into the is, specifics no of it because
0: we don't know. We don't, don't know anything. All it's we all- do know
1: is this is going to be times 10, times 20, times 50, times 100 of media attention that these kids are are, are used to. And at the end of the day, these are 21- to 18-year-old kids with a microphone in front of them and a pressure that they're not used to. So could it, it could easily play into it and get a little stressful as it goes on for them.
0: Eric, have we seen – because they are playing the winner of the game from earlier tonight. Have we seen a line for this game pop up yet?
1: No, I'm um, still celebrating my big uh, Texas A&M had, Corpus Christi uh, cover, so uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked looked at that bad boy yet. Um, I, I honestly, I will not be betting this game at all. Um yeah. I just, I'm trying to pull. I'm looking right now.
0: Uh, twelve, twenty-one and a half. I'm seeing twenty-one and a half, like one sixty-five and a half for the total. For Alabama. So again, I mean, I've got them moving through this first round. I think they have a pretty good draw to be honest. I, I've got West Virginia beating Maryland, um, right below them. Eric, one of the the main reasons why I, I lean that way, Maryland was just really bad on the road this year. West Virginia was not like a fantastic team. As you can see, they've, they've, they're very beatable. They've had plenty of losses throughout the season, but the one thing about West Virginia. They're a little bit more battle tested. They, um, you know, with Huggins, they're a well-coached team and they're tough. They were seven 11 though, in the big 12, they lost six of seven games at one point. Uh, they are led by Stevenson who can light it up from three. He shoots like 38% and he's, he scores over 15 points a game. I'm going to lean them over a Maryland team. that I just wasn't really impressed with them down the stretch. I think their coach has done a fantastic job. Um, but, You look at Maryland, they're great at home, two and nine in true road
1: games. So I'm leaning uh, West Virginia here. I mean, their last road game they won, Maryland was February 4th at Minnesota. Before that, the last road game they won was, I believe at Louisville. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's not really like they're...
0: They're winning, beating any types of good opponents.
1: Yeah. No, so it's kind of... It's, it's, it's hard to trust them. We, we know, when they're playing that poorly on the road, shot quality is very high in West Virginia. I mean, obviously West Virginia scores a lot by second chance points and, and getting to the three throw line. Maryland is very good at rebounding the ball. They don't follow that much. So how is West Virginia going to be able to create some offense? What is West Virginia going to do when Maryland starts to press them? Cause Maryland will press. Will there? Will their guards start creating turnovers, lead to some easy transition um, buckets for the Terps? And another big question is, what are the Terps going to do when West Virginia takes Young away? How are they going to be able to generate the offense? I would definitely lead West Virginia here, though. If I were to bet the game, I have West Virginia going through in my bracket, though, just because, as you said, Maryland is so putrid on the road.
0: Yeah. And then I've got Bama beating West Virginia. I think they're just a little too strong for them there. So I've got Bama moving through uh, on the top into the first of the sweet 16 teams. Correct. You were there, right? Also yes. same thing. Yes. And then below them, we've got the five twelve San Diego state Charleston. This is an interesting matchup. Eric Charleston shoots a ton of threes, more than 47% of their field goal attempts are three pointers. That is most more than almost every single team in the country. They shoot at 33%. So it's not like they're the best shooting percentage team. They just shoot a ton of them in their three games in their conference tournament. They took 91 threes over three games. And what's cool about them too. They they're a fast tempo team, top 30 in tempo. They're a good offensive rebounding team, top 20 in offensive rebounding shoot tons of threes, offensive rebound well, and they play at the fifth quickest tempo of all of the teams in the tournament. And they're going to be playing against a team that's a totally different template from them. It's the San Diego State team that wants to slow you down, that wants to muck it up. Now, San Diego State, when I look at them, I I didn't know really what to do in, in this one. And I actually leaned in the underdog selection here. I think you go the other way. San Diego State, Matt Bradley... Really good shooter, started out the season struggling. He's been playing much better as of late. He shot 43% during conference from three, and they won the league title. From January 14th to March 4th, they only lost twice. But when you look at their losses this year, and you and you look at the tempo metric, they have lost this year three times to quick tempo teams. Arizona was the ninth fastest tempo in the country. New Mexico was the 19th fastest tempo. Arkansas was the 54th fastest tempo. Charleston is actually 29. So something that might impact San Diego State when teams can really speed them up, they struggled a little bit. I will attack Charleston. Talk to us about the Charleston-San Diego State game.
1: I just, I, I get your points about fast tempo and everything, but... I don't think Charleston is at the level of the teams that you mentioned. It's, I think yeah. San Diego State is going to be able to control the Temple. This is a team that's used to being in the tournament. They have the experience. And the Mountain West, the Mountain West is a very tough league. I mean, you they got Nevada, Boise State. Utah um, State. Utah State. New Mexico was good until they had their little hiccup in the season. Um, it's a very underrated, tough conference, I think. San Diego state with the veteran leadership they have and being here before will be able to handle it, control the temple and get through.
0: This is where uh, we'll go slightly different. I'll take the dog. Eric goes San Diego state here. And then right below them. I think we're both uh, on the same side though, here with Furman. Talk to us about the Furman Virginia matchup.
1: Uh, you know, I bet it plus the five, I'll probably sprinkle on the money line. I think they go through Virginia plays that packet in style. They'll force Furman to take the threes Furman Average the 20 most three pointers per game at nine and a half in the country compared to past Virginia teams. I really feel that its defense isn't as good. Furman's top 40 efficiency with four guys averaging over 10 and a half points per game. Um, with them being able to stroke the three, this is going to open up the middle for them where they're one of the better teams in the country, shooting. Field goals also Virginia's offense hasn't looked the same without Vanderplech. I think they really struggle. Um, Furman, what Furman struggles with is when they have to struggle with big athletic forwards. That is not what Virginia has. Virginia is not a big, strong athletic team. If like if they're playing like a West Virginia, this that would be an awful matchup for Furman. A team like Montana State or a team like that with like or TCU, Gonzaga, a team with some bigs. This is what Furman's going to struggle with. A team like Virginia that doesn't have those dominant bigs, they're going to be fine against. I like Furman to come through here.
0: Virginia, this is the worst free throw shooting team that Tony Bennett has had since 2013, 2014. They shoot uh, 70% from the free throw line. You mentioned the health of Ben Vanderposs. There's a reason why this team, it's not the same group of players, but why they've been eliminated in the first round in two of their last three appearances. Because they don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. Now, scoring defense, they're number six in the country. They allow just 60.3 points per game. But they ran into a team that you're pointing out is a bad, bad matchup for them. This is a Furman team that is a very well-built team. And they are sneaky. Furman hasn't been in the dance thing since 1980, last time they were there. Here are Furman, a little bit of like their resume this year. They don't turn the ball over. They only turned it over on 14% of their possessions. They shot 58% from inside the three-point line. They are the number one shooting team in the country from two-point range, two-point field goals. They won 15 of their conference games by 16 or more points. They won five of those games by 20 or more points. They have four players on their roster averaging double figures. They're above average. In basically every major offensive category, adjusted efficiency, effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, three point percentage, two point percentage, free throw percentage, percentage of shots blocked, percentage of possessions that end in a steal. And just to put a little icing on the cake, they're led by two fifth year seniors, guys that have experience that have been around that won't be shaken and rocked if they get down by a few points early on in this game. I think it's a good matchup for them, Eric. I actually have Furman in Charleston against each other. I've got Furman winning that game and going through. So at the top part of the bracket, I've actually got Bama and Furman as the two in the Sweet 16. I think Bama beats them. So I have Alabama on the top part of the, of the South making it to the Elite Eight.
1: I have... Bama against San Diego State with Bama. I, You know, I'm trying to talk myself into playing San Diego State, but I don't think I'll be able to there.
0: Yeah, they might be just a little bit overmatched in that particular yeah. matchup with the Bama team that is just so tough. So let's go down to the bottom part of the South, Eric, as we look at the bracket here. Um, on the, uh, the South side, we've got Baylor. Uh, we got Creighton, North Carolina State as the 6'11". Um, North Carolina State was one of those final few teams in, and honestly, down the stretch, they really struggled. Looking at North Carolina State, they—I was kind of surprised they weren't on a play-in line. They lost three times to Clemson, to me, which is just sort of weird. They got and they got beat up by Clemson. They lost three times to Clemson by at least fourteen points. They down the stretch, their last nine games, they were four and five, and Bartovic had them ranked the number eighty-six team. They lost at Virginia, at Syracuse. They lost by 25 at home to Clemson. They lost at Duke. Then they lost by 26 in the ACC tournament to Clemson. Not only do I think North Carolina State is a just kind of a, a team struggling right now, I'm very high on Creighton, and I know you're pretty high on them too, right?
1: Yeah, I like, I like, uh, I like Creighton here. Um, Creighton, you mentioned Clemson. They run a lot of similar offensive sets, and I mean, let's just kind of look. Look at their schedule real quick. NC State, they gave up 80, 96, and I believe 78 in their three matchups. So they really had to struggle defending them. NC State likes to press and one of the best teams in the country going up against the press. I absolutely love Cray in here. If your guys are kind of looking for a bet to make, this is getting a little chalky right now where it's like that five and a half and six. But when you look at the first half, it's still sitting at two and a half. NC State was 41% ATS for the first half this year when they were a dog. Flip side, Creighton had the fourth best record ATS in the first half when they were a favorite this year, 67%. McDermott in the tournament against the spread in the first half is an insane 58%. In this game, I would, if I were to bet it, I would take Creighton minus two and a half for the first half. I think that's a great bet.
0: They are top 28 in both offense and defensive efficiency. When you look for teams that that you want to make a deep run, you look for teams that are balanced just like that, that are like top 30 in both offense and defensive efficiency. They have five players averaging about 12 points a game. They're very, very balanced overall. And of all of the teams in the tournament, they are the most unlucky based on the Ken Palm metrics. So they're due for a little regression to the mean. They're due for a couple games uh, for things to bounce their way in close games. I very much like Creighton, and I think they're I think they're drawn really well, Eric, because in this bottom quarter bracket, looking at the teams that are around them, Baylor, Missouri, Utah State, Arizona, none of them are good defensive teams. Yep. at all. They're all good offense bad defense and Creighton is just really balanced. They feel like they're the best team in this little section. Now in the next game, Baylor plays UCSB. If we're talking about a team's ceiling, right? Like Baylor offensively, if they have a game where they shoot well, well, they could beat anybody in the country. The problem with Baylor is it's sort of tough to trust them three or four or five games in a row, because if they have one down game, shooting wise, they don't have the defense to stop you. And I I just look at a second round matchup with Baylor Creighton that I think would be a really nice matchup for Creighton. And even moving forward, I feel like if Creighton were to run into either Missouri, Utah state or Arizona, they're just the more well-balanced, better built basketball team. And I, I feel like I have the least amount of concerns about Creighton than I do of like any of the teams down in this, in this quarter bracket.
1: I mean, my issue with Baylor is two things is a, they're really weak defending the interior of the lane and B they switch everything because they switch everything. They put their guards. I know their guards are experienced, been there. They've won a, They've won a title just in bad, def- bad situations defensively because of that. I'm not high on this Baylor team. I think this UC Santa Barbara team could give them a little fit. That's a pretty big number. I don't think they cover. I think Creighton can get past Baylor. Um, Look, my thing with Arizona is this, is I don't trust their guards. I don't trust their coach. And when you look at it. I don't
0: trust their defense. From February 1st, so for, for the last month and a half now, they have been ranked number 79 in defensive efficiency you just don't win the championship and you don't make deep runs when your defense is that bad it's the same thing we're talking about with Baylor and even more for them like with Baylor you sort of trust their guard play a little bit more for Arizona they're so big uh, like centralized around the bigs if if they're not getting the ball into Tabellas and Tuballo they're in trouble we saw last year Tabellas kind of struggled against better teams against better competition when they were able to take him out of the game and make like difficult for him I've got them winning one game, Arizona, and then losing. And I've got them losing to Missouri. I think you've got Utah State winning, but I honestly don't think, I think whoever matches up with them, it's a bad matchup for Arizona because both of those teams can score. I think Missouri is averaging over 80 points a game this year, and Utah State is just below that. They're averaging just under 80 points a game. Both of those teams are going to light it up offensively. I don't think Arizona gets a good draw here. I, I don't actually have them winning more than one game here, Eric.
1: Yeah, I think they went to, um, you know, you and I differ on the um, Missouri. Missouri.
0: Yeah, you go, you go Utah State. Talk to us a little bit about that game. Why you like Utah State there.
1: Utah State, when looking at it, they're better. They're good at defending the three-pointer. Missouri, that's what they like to do. They led the SEC in three-pointer attempts. Missouri likes to play, likes to press and play zone. Utah State is very good against both of those. Missouri gives up a lot of threes per game. Utah State has the fifth best shooting percentage from three in the country. And my thing is this, is the SEC was the worst conference, the worst conference. Like when you look at every single conference there is, they were the worst conference shooting the three-pointers. Because of that, these teams – Kind of change the way they're playing defense, and let they teams
0: let teams shoot, teams shoot the three because that was the best way to defend and them.
1: Now, when you play a team that is making a three, I really think they're going to have that deer in headlights look, kind of like the Big Ten does when the game is officiated differently and these teams can't adjust. You know what I mean? Like you're used to a whole whole season playing a certain way, and now you're playing now you now it's a different way. I think it's going to be a little different. So.
0: For example, Missouri allow 44% of shots against Missouri are Mm three-pointers. So they just let you shoot threes. If you're making them, you could beat them. If you don't make them, they're a tough team, though, because they're going to score with you. Like I said, they'll score over 80 points. They're led by Kobe Brown and Hodge. Those are two of the top 11 players in all of college basketball in offensive rating based on players that are used in at least 20% of their possessions. So they do, if a game gets close down the stretch, they've got the guys that can make plays. Kobe Brown is an absolute stud. He is named after Kobe. And they have wins this year over uh, Illinois, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So they could beat good opponents. But like you said, if you're a team that shoots really well and is hitting those threes, that's how you might be able to beat them. And that's something that, Utah state might be able to do. My only concern with Utah state is their metrics are fantastic. And as you pointed out, the mountain West was very, very good. And this is a coach that led UMBC to beat Virginia when they were the 16 seed. This is the very same coach. He's now with Utah state. They, they haven't really beaten anybody. That's my only concern. They lost all three times to San Diego state. Their best win this year was against oral Roberts. And they beat Boise State twice. They've got to win over Washington State. Like they really haven't played top top tier level. So I'm wondering if maybe the the athletes of Missouri might be trouble uh, trouble for them. But this will be one of those uh, head up beer bet games for uh, for you and I. Well was this line like? Missouri minus two and a half, like or Utah State minus about two. It's now down to about one and a half. I'm seeing Utah State by about one and a half.
1: Yeah, I think this opened up as a pick and then Utah State became like two and then I got back down to one and a half.
0: Yep. So in this spot, Eric, down here, I have Missouri beating Utah State. I have Missouri getting through uh, against Arizona in an upset because I think Missouri can score with them, go up and down. I'm not quite as worried about Arizona shooting against them. Like we mentioned, I think baylor Creighton is going to be a really interesting game. I will probably lean Creighton there. I'm going to go Creighton moving on. Creighton against Missouri in the 6-7. I've got Creighton moving through that game. So in my South Regional Final, I have Alabama versus Creighton to make it to the Final Four. I'm going to lean Alabama. If that ends up happening, I probably will be betting Creighton in that game. But I, I do, in a weird sense, in my head, I feel like we're going to have to hear about the Alabama, Brandon Miller stuff all the way through. I'm going to have them making it all the way to the national championship, but uh, we'll talk more about the final four in a second for me, Bama Creighton in the South final. And I've got Bama winning the South finish up the South bracket for us.
1: Yeah. I got Crayon over Baylor, Arizona over Utah state. I think Crayon's defense and their offense efficiency is going to be too much for Arizona. Then I got Crayon against Alabama I'm gonna take Crane here. I just think that Alabama, there's two Alabama plays two ways. They shoot threes and the dribble drive with the seven footer. Alabama's very, excuse me, Crane's very good at defending defending the rim, and I think the wings are going to be able to keep the three point shooters in front of them, not give them space. So because of that, I like Crane, and I think Crane can shock the world and pull off up the upset.
0: Creighton coming out of the South. I like it. We both are very high on Creighton. Both uh, have them at least into the Elite Eight. Eric, even farther around into the Final Four. Let's move right below and let's go to the East where Purdue is your number one seed out East. And for Purdue, I'm not very high on them going deep into this tournament, but I do want to mention that Zach Eadie has been awesome this year. He's made 75% of his attempts at the rim per hoop math. Um, they beat Marquette, Gonzaga, Duke. And when you double Edie, it leaves the rest of Purdue's key players open. I just don't trust the rest of them, honestly. Um, down the stretch, they were 4-4 four and four in their last eight games in the Big Ten. And when going into the Big Ten tournament. And then when you look at what they did in the Big Ten tournament. So... Their wins might look a little bit better on paper because keep in mind, they play Rutgers, who's banged up and super injured right now. Then they played Ohio State. Ohio State was playing, was that their fourth day in a row that Without they were playing? The
1: yeah.
0: And, and they also were missing their leading scorer, Ohio yeah. State. And then in the final game against Penn State, they had a big lead and they blew that lead and almost lost the game. I don't really trust them down the stretch. But I want to give a a ton of credit to Edie because this was one of those guys, Eric, that you look at and you're like, ah, man, this is a big guy, but he's never going to be athletic or he's never going to be much. This dude worked hard. His footwork is improved. He's a smart player. He was really, really good this year. He is deserving of the player of the year. All that being said, I don't like their draw. I think they win one game and, they will have a very tough matchup from either the 8 or the 9. I'm extremely high on Memphis, though. And I have I have Memphis having a deep, deep run into this tournament. So I think that's where they're going to hit a little bit of a snag. I've got Purdue winning. I've got them losing to Memphis in the following game. In the 5-12, I've got Oral Roberts beating Duke. This is an Oral Roberts team that two years ago was led by Max Amos. And they, they made the, uh, the Sweet 16. This team is better this year. They went out in the non-conference. They scheduled up. They wanted to give themselves tough opponents so that they were ready for this opportunity, and they have not taken their foot off the gas for a while now. I think they head into this with a 17-game winning streak, which is the longest in the nation, and this is a very, very good basketball team. So Max Ausmus, who averages 22 points a game and four assists, He's there, but they also have a seven foot five transfer from Arkansas last year that helps them light it up. They lost a game to New Mexico at New Mexico. You were pointing out that New Mexico was pretty good earlier in the, in the year. That's a tough place to play. And that was a game that they rescheduled because their opponent wasn't able to play and had to forfeit a game. There are four losses this year that were on the road at St. Mary's, at Houston, and at Utah State. So they were 3-3 and in their first six. They played really, really tough teams on the road. They are number 26 overall in experience. And when you compare that to Duke, Duke is number 295 in the country. There are only four teams in this whole tournament that are less experienced than Duke. They ran into a very, very tough opponent in Oral Roberts. I like Oral Roberts here, Eric. I think they get the upset. I think a lot of people are are kind of picking against Tennessee because they're banged up, but I think Tennessee gets through at least that first game. So I've got Purdue winning, Memphis winning, Oral Roberts winning, Tennessee winning, and I've got Oral Roberts beating Tennessee. I've also got Memphis beating Pitt. And when we dive into Memphis to talk a little bit about them, this is a team that is playing as hot as anybody right now in the country. I'm actually surprised they're – I thought they were maybe a tad underseeded, but I think it's a pretty good spot for them to put a real scare into Purdue. Entering the AAC championship game, they had only lost four games since January 1st, and two of them came against Houston, which is one of the national championship contenders here. They lost one of those games, or the other two losses they had were both in overtime. Since February the 7th, they're 9 and 2. Bartovic has them ranked the number 8 overall team. They have Kendrick Davis, who's one of the best scorers in the nation. DeAndre Williams is 26 years old, and he scored 35 points the other day. I think this is a well-built team. They're athletic to me. I think they're very, very interesting. I have them making a deep run and upsetting Purdue in round two, Eric. So talk to us about this part of the quarter bracket.
1: One more thing to add to Edie. I mean – Dude's a nice guy. Some of the, like the Big Ten tournament was here in Chicago. Some of the kids I coach actually ran into him at a Chipotle, and he spent time when he really didn't have to talking to every single one That's of those cool. kids. So he, you know, he, is, he is a good, he is a good dude. Um Memphis, Memphis, FAU. Look, whoever wins this game, I feel is gonna knock off Purdue. FAU has guys that can stretch the four, they have a big guy that can guard Edie. Memphis elite defensive pressure point guard that can take over a game.
0: They're 25 in Ken Palm. There there's no, it's not a surprise. This is a good basketball team. They've been good all year long. They're 30 and three. Um, You know, they only lost three games. It's 31 and three. This is a really good basketball team too.
1: Um, So I I think they match up well with Purdue. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what Prater does with his guards. We saw in the big 10 champions in the big 10 championship, excuse me, In their first game against Rutgers, Rutgers, you know, they, they pressed, they got up in the face of the freshman guards. They had some trouble. Prater had to go to a little bit more of a veteran lineup there, take those guys out. Is he going to pull the trigger and do that? Uh, But yeah, I'll take, I have Memphis going there, making it to the sweet 16. I have Oral Roberts over Duke. My thing with Duke is this, if Duke gets through this game, I think they're going to the final four, but I can see them losing this game just because of the matchup with the size and the interior and the big thing that's going to happen is the big guy from Arkansas whose name I'm obviously spacing on is going to um force Lively away from the hoop and I really don't think he's that comfortable away from the hoop so I really think that's a good good thing for Oral Roberts better defensively better more battle tested this year. Up, ACC is down Duke yeah, you know what I mean like yeah, I know I agree with you. ACC is down or cuz they're this good. I will take Oral Roberts, Tennessee, Louisiana doesn't shoot the three well enough to beat Tennessee in my eyes. They run all their stuff through through Bra- through their player, uh, last name Brown, interior fella, but Tennessee has the size to combat that. I think Tennessee gets through them. They play Oral Roberts. Like I said, any team that can shoot the three that's playing against the SEC team I'm going to be all about, so I'll take Oral Roberts. But I think Oral Roberts' run is going to end against Memphis. I think Memphis is too much defensively. So I'll take Memphis to get past Oral Roberts.
0: Connor Vanover is the uh, the big man from uh, from Oral Roberts, a seven foot five transfer from Arkansas. And uh yeah, we're very high on Memphis's chances. And you look at Memphis's metrics, they fit the metrics of a team that can make a deep run. They are number 26 in offensive efficiency, number 36 in defensive efficiency. Just a balanced team that doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses when you go through their resume when you go through like their strengths, their weaknesses overall. We talk about experience. They're number 11 in the country in experience with a 26-year-old on their team. So they've been there. They've dealt with tough competition. They've been in games with Houston we both like Memphis coming out of the uh, the top part of the bracket there. I've got Memphis in the Elite Eight in the regional final. Then on the bottom part of the bracket, Eric, <laughs> this is where both of our two teams play, and you and I are going to go to war, Eric. So first up, it'll be Kentucky and Providence. And while Providence is a very, very well-coached team, they entered the tournament in bad, bad form. They were just not playing well down the stretch. And what was conf- concerning for them, normally you can kind of lean on their defense. And defensively, they really, really struggled down the stretch. So that was I, I, why I'm I'm against Providence. Uh, I think the metrics that I were looking at over the last nine games, they were four and five. But for example, Kentucky was only five and four. But in those same games... Providence was ranked number 92 based on the metrics and Kentucky was still a top 30 team in overall efficiency. Like um, over the last nine games, Providence was behind Furman was in front of Cal state Fullerton based on Bartovic metrics. They, this year during their 15 game stretch where they went seven and eight, they were ranked 154, in defensive efficiency. This just doesn't feel like that same Providence team. And while Kentucky has been a little bit up and down this year, I think Kentucky's got a great draw in this bottom of the bracket here, Eric, because they run into a Providence team. That's not in great form. And I think Kentucky should be able to wear them down following that game. I don't like Kansas state at all. Um, I didn't have them upset in the first round, but I think you do, right? You've got Montana state beating them.
1: Yeah, I have Montana State beating him. I think it's just a lot of these teams, like there's certain teams, they, certain things they do well, certain things they kind of struggle with, and that's kind of what Montana State does. Kansas State, elite at home, really struggles on the road. Montana State, very good defensive team. They have the big sky defensive player of the year on his team. K-State struggles to defend the rim, and Montana State likes to attack the rim. K-State fouls a lot, and Montana – is 11th in the country in three throws attempted per game. K-State gave up the second most three-throw attempts per game in the Big 12. Now you're playing a team that in the country is getting to the line the 11th most times per game, so they're going to be able to generate some free points. Montana State likes to run stuff through the post, um, and K-State really struggles. I think just stylistic-wise, this is a brutal matchup for K-State. And we've seen them when they haven't played at home. They've played some duds on the road, so I like Montana State to get that upset. They lost uh, yeah. seven of
0: their eight final games on the road. Kansas yeah. State. They lost at TCU, at Iowa State, at Kansas, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, at West Virginia, and they lost their first game in the ace in the uh, Big Twelve championship game in a neutral site game to TCU. I think they're a little bit over. Overranked, just like a little bit overhyped with the three seed to me, just a little too high for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree with you 100%. Kentucky, I mean, like, we know you don't know what you're going to get. It's kind of like one of my friends uses this analogy when we're talking earlier today. It's like a blind date. You don't know what you're (laughs) going to get. It's good. You have no idea what you're going to get from them. So, do I think they beat Providence? Yeah, I think they beat Providence. Providence is trending in the downward trajectory, but. Am I going to bet it? There's no way in hell I'm going to bet it. So that's just a pass no. for me. Um, next game, you know, look, I'm looking at it like this. I, this okay, is how talk, I
0: you're, you're a Michigan. You're a Michigan State guy. So what? What? Give us a little bit of a breakdown for your team. What are we supposed to expect from Michigan State? Who is this team this year?
1: So Michigan State, a they really struggled when Hall wasn't on the court. Hall is starting to get a little bit healthy. The key thing for that. The key thing for this for me when I was looking at this game is. USC kind of plays a little bit version of the packet in and forces you to take threes. They like to impr- protect the interior they Yeah, State. They're, they're,
0: they're fantastic defending the two and they have like three guys that are pretty close to seven foot and they have a lot of length. So USC defensively inside the perimeter, they're fantastic, but you, you're hitting on the right. If you make your three, you're going to get threes. You're going to have threes to shoot. If you want them.
1: And Michigan, you know, just kind of looking at at Michigan State, Michigan State had the third best 3 per shooting percentage in all of college basketball. So if Michigan State's making their threes, I don't know what USC is going to be able to do. They're going to have to change their flow defensively. Is that something that they're going to do mid-game? Also, one thing Michigan State has started to do is they have this guy, Joey Hauser, who is versatile and he can play the five, but he's, he's built like a small forward. So when they have him play the five, what is USC going to do to combat that? Yep. Uh,
0: Yeah. The key will be because USC has three bigs that they rotate in as their bigs, but they don't really have a way to go small ball five. If they have to, they don't do that. So that could be a matchup problem. If it's, Um, more Josh Morgan, who's one of the best shot blockers in the country. I don't know what the health of Big Vince is gonna be, but he's a the all three of USC's bigs are under the basket shot blocking type bigs. They're not stretch the court, stretch the floor big. So you're absolutely right. That could be a major matchup problem Um, for them.
1: And then what's Peterson's health? You know, that's a big thing, you know. We really don't see people with back injuries miraculously get better. Even if he plays, I really think that he didn't. Gonna, and
0: he didn't look good injury. after a week. The thing is, yeah. he he had a week off because he got the back injury against Arizona in the first half of the Arizona game. And the the thing about Drew Peterson is, if you look at his numbers, he is one of the best overall players in all of college basketball. Meaning. Points, rebounds, assists—a little bit of everything—and when he can't do a little bit of everything, well, USC is just a completely different team. Like the what makes USC good when when they were very uh, when they were completely healthy, they had a good three or four week stretch where they were actually playing like a top ten team based on Bartovic because their offense is is way better when everybody can just play their role. Otherwise. They get really heavy with Boogie Ellis, and Boogie can sometimes uh, match up with guards that are a little bit bigger size than him. Boogie will struggle. It all comes down to Drew. Like, if he looks like he's moving fine early in the game, if he's able to make a few passes and post up, it'll be a close game. If Drew Peterson is standing outside in the three-point line and he's not able to drive the lane, in the first five minutes we're going to find this out, USC is going to be in big trouble. Now they can like Boogie Ellis is the type of guy who can win a game or two for you. He legitimately has NBA range and he's stretched, he stretched it out and he's really impressive a couple feet behind the three point line. And I I really do like this team. They got to be fully healthy though. Even, even recently, like big Vince Iwachumu he's missed the last two or three games. Now, all of a sudden, when you have a 20, like your backup big who plays 20 minutes and who's really, really good, if he's not in there, now you're just not, like, they're not good enough to be missing any one player. That's the problem with USC. Like, they're not deep enough, like the best of the top tier Power 5, Power 6 conferences. So, one or two guys missing, that really hurts them. If this team and Drew Peterson looks healthy overall, that whoever wins this game can beat Marquette. USC can absolutely beat Marquette, and so can Michigan State, because what both of our teams do well is they both defend very well. And like USC is one of the best defensive teams in the country. So, you're w- like you said, you will have a tough time getting to the rim and getting easy buckets against them now. I'm sure you probably in a close game like this, like you lean Michigan state, you got to go with Michigan state. Ken Palm has this Eric, which is kind of cool as a one point game. Literally. They've got this as the, like one of the most exciting games on the whole Friday slate. I think they have it as the third um, on their, on their thrill rankings. The games that are supposed to be the most exciting, the most competitive. This one is third out of all 16. And we're going to open up. This is the first game we get on Friday.
1: Yeah. First game on Friday. Also, I think a big thing is, Hogard and um, Walker from Michigan State, those guys, I mean, are good at not turning the ball over. You have two guys that can bring it up, two basically point guards playing at the same time.
0: What is the weakness of Michigan State? What's something that scares you if they get beat? Because for USC, we've talked Michigan, about it.
1: Michigan State lives and dies by the three. Like if so they aren't falling, they don't in trouble. Have many many ways to beat you. That's why they lost to Ohio State. They just shot – bad and like when you have a team that's so dependent on the three and your best player create like Hogard is very good at getting to the rim but he's not good at that mid-court jump shot Walker very good at that mid-court jump shot but if he has a lead defender on him it's really hard for him to create space Hauser's more of a catch and shoot three-pointer guy that can post you up they just really what the, if they had a guy that could just get a bucket you know Mm-hmm. They would be, they, they'd be tough. And that's what they're going to get next year in the class, but they're missing it this year. Um, They live and die by the three. I just think that they can just create a little bit of matchups. And with USC is going to let them shoot the three. I just think it plays in their hands. I took Michigan state minus the one and a half.
0: Yeah. The, the big thing that USC struggles with, which is bizarre because like we're talking about USC um, has very good size. They're actually, they're the fifth, Biggest team in the country um, as far as overall size, but they don't offensive rebound. They don't defensive rebound all that well. They give up offensive rebounds, which is sort of weird. Michigan state though, as you're pointing out, like you're not a prolific offensive rebounding team. So you may not be a team that can, can really impact USC with that. But for SC, it's just going to come down to the health of Peterson. When he's good, everybody slots in perfectly and everybody has their role. Drew Peterson and Boogie get to be the guys that initiate everything. Resticks sticks and Waters can be your scorer who just lights it up, comes off the bench, and he doesn't have to get anybody else involved. It's all about him. Then you have Kobe Johnson and Trey White. They can hit some threes. They can play defense. They're good wings. And, and you have, like, Big Vince, and you have Joshua Morgan and Kajani Wright. You have three bigs, and two of them are very, very, very good. And Kajani Wright's a freshman who's actually, like, was a McDonald's All-American who has some upside. When they miss one of those guys, everybody has to step up a level and it just doesn't work. It's like it just doesn't work. The whole operation is off. Drew Peterson is the key. And I hope win or lose, I hope he's healthy enough in this game to to score 10 or 15 points because he's one of those guys, Eric, that has – he's been one of the best USC Trojans in the history of the program. He's been around this program – For the last four years, they've won a ton of games. He's been like a really good leader. He stepped up. I hope that even if we lose, he gets a game where he at least plays well because I could see it in his face. I felt bad for him because his last three games, after four awesome years, his last three games he's had, the guy couldn't move, and he's holding onto his back. That's just a crappy way to end with injuries for guys who have played. And like a guy like Drew, he's not going to be an NBA player, I don't think. He could go play in like in Europe somewhere, but he's not like an NBA guy. So this is it for him. And I, I yep. hope he's able to uh, to have a good showing of himself on his way out because this is going to be go down as one of the better USC Trojan basketball players and just good guys for the program. So uh, good luck to you, my friend. Cheers on this one. USC, Michigan State. We go right at each other in round one. And um, whoever wins that game, I actually have them beating Marquette. And I, and I have Kentucky coming out of the bottom part of this bracket. I've got Kentucky getting through, Kansas State, and I've got Kentucky beating um, USC moving along. And I have Kentucky and Memphis in my East Regional Final. Coming out of the East, I have Memphis into the Final Four. Talk us through the bottom part of the East, Eric.
1: Um, I have Michigan State being USC, and then I have Michigan State losing the Marquette. Um, that I have Marquette going on to play Kentucky. I just have Marquette. I don't know. There's just something about them um, that with what how they do offensively, how well they're playing, how they can hold, hide their defensive efficiencies on the glass. I like Marquette to make it all the way to the lead eight to play Memphis. And then I, I have Memphis. I don't know. There's just something about this team I really like. With their guard play and their defensive intensity and everything, they seem to be peaking at the right time.
0: Memphis is the team for me and Eric coming out of the East. Let's head to the opposite side of the bracket, buddy. Let's talk about the, uh, the Midwest on the top half with Houston. So go ahead, talk to us a, a little bit about this top part of the Midwest bracket.
1: In terms of the top part of the Midwest, Houston is playing a team that runs zone. Anytime Houston plays a team that runs zone, look to take any player prop rebounds. Houston had 20 rebounds, offensive rebounds. Uh, Not rebounds, offensive rebounds against Memphis. This team can hit the glass, especially against a team that plays zone. I love them against Northern Kentucky, obviously. Iowa against Auburn. I mean, basically two hours away from campus. Tough for Iowa to go there when Auburn should have the home court advantage. But even though it's close to the um, proximity to campus – Auburn still did struggle when they didn't play at home. So you have to figure those guards will still struggle a little bit. Auburn does give up a lot of threes. One thing we know about Iowa is they like to shoot the threes. By the flip side, Fran is showing us he's really not that good of a coach in this tournament. Historically, he's lost, never made it to the Sweet 16, early lost to Richmond. This they, game lost, was, they were
0: one and done last year. Because yeah. And remember, everybody was jumping on them as a team to make Everyone. a really deep run.
1: And then when you look at them, you know, twelve and four at home, four and seven away, zero and four in neutrals. I mean, that's Iowa this this year. Um, I just, I don't know. Like for me, I think this is a true, true coin flip game. Both teams' defenses are nightmare. Green, who filters the offense through Auburn, struggles when he's not playing at home. Um, I did bet Murray over two and a half threes at plus money. I like that bet in this game. Uh, I took Iowa just because you know I'm fading SEC teams. Anytime they play a team that can shoot threes, then I have that Iowa just getting boat raced by Houston. I think Houston's just going to play bully ball against them. Uh, underneath that, we got Miami against Drake. Obviously, this comes down to is Miami's big guy playing. I don't know. Like if his big if their big guy plays, he is such a key to them defensively. I think they beat Drake. If he's not, I think Drake gets the win here. It's a complete coin flip game to me. It depends on that. So I'm going to wait to see that if I had to pick right now, because of the uncertainty of the big man, I take Drake, Indiana against Kent state. This is an awful matchup for Indiana. Kent state elite defensively, especially in the interior, they're going to be able to limit Jackson Davis. I think that Kent state is live here. I think they beat Indiana. Then it's Kent state against Drake physical grimy game. I think Kent state can beat Drake. I think Kent state could actually make it to the sweet 16. If they're matched up against Drake, if they play a Miami, a team with all those guards, I think they're going to struggle a little bit with my, what Miami does with spacing. So if it's Miami against Kent state, I'll take Miami. If it's Kent state against Drake, I'll take, I'll take Kent state going out there against Houston. Then I have Houston all the way to the elite eight. It
0: feels just like a really good draw for Houston, right? Looking for
1: for a better draw.
0: You're like, who's all around them? The 8-9 matchup, you get a team like Iowa who has no defense whatsoever. Their defense is miserable. Or a team like Auburn, like you said, like Auburn has some close losses there, but Auburn was 4-9 and nine in their last 13 games down the stretch. And the thing yeah. about Auburn, they don't really do, like, offensively, they're not really good at anything. They're just like athletic. They can get to the rim and, you know, they can maybe like have, you can have some matchup problems because they do have some size and athleticism, but they don't really shoot the ball well. They're not efficient. They turn it over a ton. The only reason why I leaned Auburn is because Auburn's offense is okay. Their defense is pretty good, Auburn's. And I think they'll be at home or close to home I think their defense will be able to slow down the uh, Iowa offense a little bit. And I just don't think the Iowa defense is anything at all. It's absolutely miserable. So in a pick'em type game, I'm leaning Auburn. Um, but I don't think Auburn's going to get through Houston. It, they may have a, a, like a home crowd there in that game in Birmingham. And a few people rooting for Auburn. But I've got Houston getting through. And I, I'm in total agreement with you, Eric. I have Drake beating Miami in that game because we don't know with miami the health of the big man and i'm not all that high on the acc this year either we picked against duke um earlier i don't know how strong the conference was this year and drake is number nine in the bartovic rankings over their last 10 games This is a team that's top 50 in defensive efficiency, top 30 in turnover percentage. Uh, Their coach and his son, uh, they're led by their head coach with his son, who's a sophomore, averages 19 points a game, 39% from three. This team is 16-2 and in their last 18 games. They're a very good team. I'm with you. I've got Drake winning that game against Miami. For Eric, the real key comes down to the health of the big man, and I would agree. Um, And then Kent State, I'm also with you on Kent State here. This is a team that had the lead at Houston with three minutes to go in the game back in November this year. And they ended up losing that game, but they were up by 10 in the first half. They showed you they could compete with Houston at Houston. Then a week later, they're playing Gonzaga at Gonzaga. They have a four-point lead in that game before failing late. But they had... Competitive games on the road at Houston, at Gonzaga. They're now 10-1 and in their last 11 games. And they're top 30 in defensive efficiency. They check a lot of boxes. What I like about them, like, Indiana is not a consistent team, right? They're up and down. And if they run into a team that has, like, a solid defense that every time down the court, they're just going to make you make a good play, make a smart play, this could— This could be a little bit of trouble for Indiana. It really could.
1: We've seen what Indiana is. I mean, we've said it all year. They just kind of struggle when they play on the road. And, you know, this is a quote-unquote road game. It's a neutral site game. So, I think Kent State's very live here. There's a lot of sharp money that is on Kent State to come through.
0: Okay, so, uh, Eric, we both have Kent State and drake uh, i agree with you i've got kent state making it through uh losing to houston in a rematch um of a game that was uh earlier this year at houston so i've got houston getting through there on the bottom part of the midwest bracket we've got iowa state playing the winner of the uh mississippi state pit game um did that game go yeah final, miss- final? Yeah, mississippi it, state okay
1: no no pit one
0: Pitt won that one. Okay, so Pitt won by a point, sixty to fifty-nine. So Pitt will be playing Iowa State. And one thing when we were having the conversation a little earlier, great matchups for Iowa State, whoever they would have played, because they've they've got a very good defense, but they can't really score. And so Pitt plays sort of right into their their strengths.
1: It's a absolute phenomenal matchup for Iowa State. I don't know how Iowa State keeps getting these matchups. Same thing last year. Yeah. It doesn't play that good a defense. Like we talked about Iowa state's going to be able to score. I think Iowa state's is going to make stuff a little bit hard for Pitt. So I definitely like Iowa state there.
0: Now below them, we've got Xavier Kennesaw state. Xavier is an interesting team. They lost one of their best players uh, down the stretch, but they still were six and three after losing him. Xavier is coming out of what was a a pretty strong big East this year. They're the number three seed in the Midwest. Now, Kennesaw state is your 13 or is your 14 seed winner of them. will play Iowa state pit winner. Eric, who do you like here?
1: Xavier Kennesaw state. Trying to really talk myself into Kennesaw state. Kennesaw state did play Indiana tough tied at halftime. Uh, Indiana pulled away in the second half. I think they could make it a little bit feisty here for the first half, but I think Xavier does end up winning. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And then below that, uh, Kent State. Sorry, Penn State against Texas A&M. I mean, this is just a great matchup for Penn State. You look, and at this, this is opinion. what you've been
0: talking about and preaching: the three-point <laughs> shooting teams against the SEC teams that. Didn't have to play a lot of good three point shooting teams, win or lose. This is the matchup you're looking for.
1: Yep, uh, this is the matchup I couldn't ask for anything else. Texas AM gets second chance points and foul and lives on the three throw line. Penn State doesn't foul, they did get they're pretty good at rebounding. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think this is a great matchup. For Penn State, Texas AM does give up a lot of threes. And we saw when they played Missouri and Alabama when those threes are going in, how much they struggle. Penn State, 51% of their shots are three-pointers. I like Penn State here plus the three. Um, and I have them straight up winning the game. Texas Colgate, to me, like on my show, my guest tonight said Colgate was gonna shock the world and pull it off. Cause Texas's historic collapses in the in the tournament. I just don't see it. I think Colgate. Well, Gat- isn't that
0: more of a Barnes thing though, like a coach, like a coaching thing than this Texas? Barnes right? and
1: Dr. Smart, both of them.
0: Yeah, right. So I don't know. This is a different coach. This is a different group. I like the fact that Timmy Allen they said is going to be healthy and full strength for the tournament. And you know, when you dive into you know Texas overall, they've been playing some fantastic basketball Great down basketball. the stretch.
1: I think Texas is on their way to the elite eight. I think they get past uh, Penn state. I think they're going to then play Iowa state in the sweet 16 and set up a great matchup in the elite eight with Houston right now. I have Houston winning it, but I'm going back and forth. I could easily see Texas winning that game.
0: Yeah. Texas uh, with their assistant, Rodney Terry, who was uh, put up to head coach earlier in the year, they're led by Marcus Carr. And Timmy Allen, they're just a a well-balanced team too. Number 11 in defensive efficiency, number 18 in offensive efficiency. They beat Kansas by 16-plus points twice in their last four games. And while they did lose their last four true road games, they won the Big 12 tourney on a neutral court. So I think it's a good spot for them. You know, and you have Penn State – it would be a blast to get a Texas, Texas A&M game in this, in that second round, like just for, for the fans and stuff. Th- that would be a really fun game to watch. I agree with you. I've got Texas getting through. Um, I have Xavier moving along and beating Iowa state. And then I have Texas beating Xavier and I'm in the same boat with you. Depending on what the line in that game is like, I would, I might bet Texas come that game. And so that's the one decision that I'm having a hard time making Texas or Houston moving through to the final four. It's going to be one of those two for me. Um, but this is the only of the the four regions where I have the number one and the number two seed in the, Correct. in the Me final.
1: Too. So
0: this is the one that I thought they're, they drew well and uh, Texas is playing great right now. They're the two seed in the Midwest. Let's move to the West, Eric. We finish it up down here in the West, number one seed, Kansas. They're playing Howard. I've got Kansas moving through there. I wasn't really sure what to do with the Arkansas-Illinois game. You know, you have an Arkansas team that came into the season that was very highly uh, projected, that was very highly ranked. Remember, this is an Arkansas team that I believe has made back-to-back Elite 8s, but they've lost four of their last five. They had an 18% turnover rate on offensive possessions. That was ranked 11th out of 14 teams in the SEC. uh, Nick Smith Jr., you mentioned, didn't really kind of take that next step that we were hoping, and down the stretch, lost four out of five. Coach was sort of losing his cool in the conference tournament. I think I'm going to lean Illinois. In it's like a tight either or game here. Uh, when we look at Illinois, they were seven and two from Jan, basically in the month of January, and they gave themselves a shot for the Big Ten title. Then they struggled down the stretch, four and six in their last ten but they do have Terrence Shannon Jr. who played into the Sweet 16 last year for Texas Tech. I think in a close game, I can lean on him to carry them through their first-round opponent. But I do think whoever wins this game will get beat by Kansas in the second round. So I'll just have Illinois winning one game, losing to Kansas. Then below them in the 4-5, St. Mary's. They have been a computer darling all year long. St. Mary's is a number 5 seed they are, if you look at a lot of their advanced metrics, they are fantastic. Uh, one of the top teams in Ken Palm. Um, they did beat Gonzaga one time this year. And What is nice about St. Mary's is they have um, a kid that can go get you a bucket, but you will point out he's a young kid. He's a freshman, so he hasn't necessarily played in a bunch of huge games, but they do have a good defense. I'm going to roll St. Mary's through this game, and then we get to UConn, Eric, who uh, I know you and I are both – Very, very high on. I I absolutely love UConn. I think they got a good draw. And I just think their team overall is one of the best teams in the country with their best performances. They beat Alabama, Iowa State, Creighton, Marquette this year. They're led by Sunogo, who averages just about 17 points per game. This is the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. They have two guys, Jordan Hawkins and Alex Caravan, who shoot better than 38% from three. Tristan Newton is also very, very good. He can average in double digits, just over 10 points a game. They are top 15 in offense and defensive efficiency. They're number six in offense and defense. They're number four in Ken Palm. All four of their top scorers shoot 35% from three. They're above average in. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, two-point percentage. They're ranked number 11 in defensive field goal percentage against. They're 15th in defensive three-point percentage against. They're 24th in block percentage. They're above average in turnover percentage created. Eric, they've got size. They've got offense. They have a defense. They're well-balanced. During their last 11 games, they went 9-2. and The only games they lost, they lost by three points on the road at Creighton, a team that you and I both like. They lost by two points to the number two seed uh, in this tournament, the, the one of the two seeds, Marquette. And in the game against Marquette, they shot 7 for 25 from three, and Marquette shot 11 of 29, and they won by two. And in that game, Hawkins and Newton were a combined 4 for 24 from the field. They are the number two ranked team in the entire nation based on Bartovic over their last seven games. And based on luck metrics, they're actually one of the most unlucky teams in the tournament. Only three teams in this entire tournament of 68 have been unluckier than them throughout the year. Super high on UConn. Eric, talk to us a little bit more about why you like this team.
1: I mean, basically everything you've said. <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot. I had a lot. To they can score on the interior, they have a couple guys that can make threes. They can rebound. They can get second chance points. They can defend. And then when you just kind of look at their matchups, okay, let's just kind of go through it. VCU, they have the guards where if they play them and VCU plays a pressing style to break the pressure. press. I don't think – V plus, they have the size to handle VCU's interior. I don't think VCU has the size to handle their interior. They play St. Mary's. St. Mary's um is going to play that slow, grind it out style. UConn's very comfortable with that. Plus, they have – Shooters that can extend the floor and open up the interior for the big man. And now let's go into the top half. You got Kansas over Howard, Arkansas, Illinois. To me, look, I, both these teams in my eyes, insanely underachieved this year. Yeah. I just, it's disappointing. disappointing. Either one of these teams for me, this is exactly like the Iowa, Albert. Exactly. Totally same. agree. SEC, Big Ten, underachievers. Um, I just, I just, it's, I'll give the lean to Arkansas just because Arkansas has three guys that are going to be drafted probably in the first round. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it to them. I like Underwood as a coach, but I just don't think Underwood has the dogs this year. Uh, Go to Kansas, Kansas. You know what? You've mentioned how they've had two bad losses to Texas and they could be ripe for an upset, but I don't think it's here against this Arkansas team. I have them going through. Then I have them using to UConn. UConn has the, athleticism on the wings to disrupt Kansas's flow and the big men to disrupt Kansas's interior offense. So I like UConn here to go through that. I got UConn all the way to the elite eight.
0: Yeah. And even in just like a really simple sense, like, you know, UConn is, is a higher ranked Ken Palm team than Kansas, even like in metrics, right. We're not reaching even with this. This is a team that has a fantastic resume there. Eric and I both have UConn beating Kansas and moving along there, making it to the Elite Eight. And um, in the bottom part of the West Bracket, TCU versus the winner of t- uh, tomorrow Wednesday night's playing game. I like TCU there against whoever the matchup is, Arizona or Nevada. Below them, it's Gonzaga. I think they just have a little bit too much firepower for Grand Canyon. Northwestern Boise State that's a game where both teams don't want to score at all. I'm going to play uh actually already did play the under and it's already moved like a point and a half down in the direction. So if you like that under, try to lock that one in pretty soon because it looks like the the number keeps moving down. I'm leaning Boise State there and then I get UCLA in the uh the bottom uh the 215. I do have UCLA beating Boise State. I don't think the Jaden Clark injury will hurt UCLA until they get to the sweet 16, whether it be Gonzaga or TCU that matchup. I feel like Mike miles jr. Or having to deal with Timmy and all of the Gonzaga talent, that would be where UCLA could really use Clark. I don't know if it's going to impact them in the first two games against teams that I think they're just a little bit better than Um, you. You'll point out Asheville is going to be a little feisty because they have a good offense. They can score that's not the case with either Northwestern or Boise State. So I don't think they'll be able to take advantage of that for UCLA. But whomever plays UCLA in the Sweet 16, the six or the three, if it is TCU or Gonzaga, I think they beat UCLA in that spot. Eileen Gonzaga, Eric, and the, the only reason is the Lampkin stuff with TCU. I think if he was there, I probably would have, put TCU all the way through, but I'm a big fan of Mike miles jr. It would not shock me at all. If TCU is able to beat Gonzaga because the thing we know about Gonzaga fantastic offensively, but defensively they struggle. Now they have been playing some of the best basketball in the country of anyone this year. They're number one in adjusted offensive efficiency. They, but they didn't hit the top 100 in defensive efficiency when they had an incredible. So the last month, They're number one in offensive efficiency. They're shooting 63% from two. They're shooting 38% from three. They're crushing teams, but they're still not even in the top 100 in defensive efficiency. That's what's a little bit concerning with them. They score 87.5 points per game. That's number one in the nation. But teams that have this bad of a defense, just like we said with Baylor, just like we've said with teams like Iowa, just like we said with some of these teams that we're concerned about getting deep when they have a bad defense. They have played 10 teams in the field. They beat Alabama, St. Mary's twice, Michigan State, Kentucky, Xavier, and Kent State. So even though they're not playing in a tough conference, they've got a good resume this year as far as teams that they've played and beat. I've got them winning a couple games, actually. I think Gonzaga can win, beat TCU, and then beat UCLA. I believe you went... TCU against Gonzaga though, right?
1: I did. Yeah. I have TCU over Gonzaga. Um, I like TCU a lot with miles. I know Lapkins out there is there hurts them. Excuse me. My main thing with Gonzaga is TCU is TCU is elite and fast break offense, getting to the rim, pushing the pace. That's what Gonzaga is going to want to do. This is going to be a track meet. This game could easily see this. This game could be like 85, 80. Um, yep. And if that's played like that, I absolutely love TCU. TCU is going to have their troubles when they play a team like a UCLA that's going to slow it down. Half court, like a half court, team, half, like a half court half game. game. That's where TCU is absolutely going to struggle. Um, I really feel that Asheville is going to be UCLA's toughest test of the first week and as crazy as it sounds with the way they play this Drew Premer kid is legit, leads, leads the nation in drawing fouls. Clark not being there, not having the athleticism to guard him on the wing, I really feel is going to hurt. I like Asheville to cover the number, UCLA to go through. I like Boise State over Northwestern. Just one of those matchups. So there's a couple of these matchups that we've kind of talked about. How Northwestern is built doesn't really hurt Boise State. How Boise State is built hurts Northwestern. Because of that, I like Boise State to get it through. I like UCLA over Boise State. This is going to be a big number. I like UCLA so much in this matchup. I'll probably be willing to lay a big number against the Boise State. Um, And then we have UCLA against TCU. This is a coin flip game for me. I really want to take TCU here, but I just think that UCLA's half-court defense could be a little bit too much and they could get it done there.
0: So in the West, I have... Yukon, Gonzaga, and I have Yukon making it through into the final four. Uh, you have Yukon, UCLA?
1: Yep, and then Yukon making it through.
0: So, final four for me Alabama, Memphis, Houston, and Yukon. On the left side of the bracket, I have Alabama and Memphis, and I have Alabama beating Memphis to make it to the final. On the opposite side, I have Houston versus Yukon. I have UConn beating Houston. I have UConn winning the whole damn thing. And you can lock them in right now at about plus 2100. If you were like Eric and you played them earlier in the year, you could get them at even 30 to one and higher. Uh, Eric, talk us through your final four.
1: Um, I have Houston going up against UConn. I think UConn's a little bit too much for them. I think UConn's, Interior is going to be able to keep Houston off the offensive glass limit, their second chance points. And then I have Creighton over Memphis. And then I have UConn over Creighton in the final.
0: Eric, buddy, we took a big dive into the bracket. This is only Tuesday night on Thursday. You and I are going to have a, a preview show at BTV bets Thursday morning 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, 5.30 a.m. Pacific time. We're going to go over all 16 games on the Thursday slate. We're going to do the same thing Friday morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, 5.30 Pacific. And that will be a little bit more based on the betting lines. We'll talk a little bit more about the individual games that day. This was more of a bracket breakdown for everyone. Then we'll do the same thing Saturday and Sunday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all of the games – We will preview for you. We'll break them down. We'll tell you if we're going to bet them, which team you should bet, which number you should be looking for. If the number got too high, we'll talk about the brackets. It's inevitable. You know there's going to be a few upsets. There always are. And, uh, man, I'm just – I'm very, very excited right now. This is a a fun time. I know you put in a a lot of work. Go rest those pipes. It's not like you've had like four or five hours in a row of just recording, 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 so – Uh, throw in a a throat lozenge or two over there.
1: Okay. We'll do. i have a, one of those lozenges.
0: There you go. So Eric, uh, let us know what, what you have coming up this week. You had Jim on the, the Tuesday podcast to give out, to talk some college basketball. I dished out a future. And then what do you have coming up rest of the week?
1: Um, I'll have the stuff with you that comes out for BTV uh, Wednesday, we have an NBA show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, NCAA, and then Sunday we'll have an NBA show as well. My podcast comes out on set Friday with, um, NASCAR basketball betting and, um, uh, XFL. And then, um, Kyle and I have a UFC show on Friday. So
0: yeah, so, everything, everything this week, uh,
1: all over the place this
0: week never stops the grind keeps going for one of the hardest working men out there eric make sure to give him a follow and uh eric buddy thanks again so much good luck in your bracket let's get yukon home we've got yukon we both have memphis making a deep run we both think creighton's making a deep run so heck if we could get those three teams into the elite eight you and i'll feel pretty good because i'm sure we'll have made a good amount of money along
1: the way i mean that would be phenomenal if that happened
0: Let's get, Yeah, Creighton home, Memphis, and uh, UConn as a couple outside the box, maybe slightly off-the-radar teams that uh, that Eric and I think can make a deep run. So good luck to everyone putting your bracket together. And don't forget that uh, we do have a free bracket if you want to get involved in. Totally free. It is on ESPN.com. It's the Tournament Challenge. And if you want to sign up, there is a group that I have created that the group name is is that's what G said. And the password for the group is 2023, two zero two three, totally free to enter. Any of you out there can enter, but only one entry per for the winner. You'll get a hundred bucks in cash and you will pick a charity that we will donate a hundred dollars to for the second place finisher. You'll get 50 bucks in cash and you'll, uh, you'll pick a charity that we donate $50 to that way. You win some money. We also donate some money to charity, and we can uh, mention the charities that people pick. That way, it'll raise a little bit of awareness, and hopefully, they'll get a couple extra donations in there. So, uh, Eric, make sure you get involved. Make sure everyone else get involved. Uh, Totally free to enter with a chance to win a little money and send some out to charity. So, that is at ESPN.com, the Men's Tournament Challenge. The group, that's what G said, and the group password, 2023. Eric, buddy, good luck to you. And I'll be talking to you all week long. Good luck to everyone out there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you're listening on the podcast, we still have plenty more to come. If you're watching on social media, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again real soon. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax, non-toxic, maybe, Sets for every season. Don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out.
1: C-E-R-A-C-E-N-O-S
0: dot And don't forget, promo code GINO gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm.
1: Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, come down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only, Chad
2: Cooper! Recording
0: a little early this week. I know everyone out there is waiting. There's a big decision being made right now. Everyone is watching, is listening. Chad Cooper is about to pick his bracket. He's going to give us a couple... <laughs> uh teams <laughs> not talking about Aaron Rodgers right now who's like he's doing all that fluff uh right Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers is hanging out on our boy Pat McAfee show about to make it hey, you know a, what
2: you know what you know I think Pat McAfee's getting ready to make an announcement I think he may be belling from FanDuel oh
0: there we go yeah there's some
2: rumors that he's uh he's got his own big announcement forthcoming so man so, You know, superstars making superstar decisions on other shows. I can't wait till you pose one of these, uh, drop one of these bombshells on me here relatively soon.
0: It'll happen soon. Uh, I might be going to the Jets where it looks like uh, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers said since Friday my intention was to play for the Jets. Well, Aaron Rodgers might be playing for the Jets, but the Bellas aren't playing for WWE anymore, Chad Cooper. They're not going to be known as the Bellas. They're known as the Garcia twins now. They'll go by their uh, real names. And they posted a video on social media on Monday, basically announcing their cut from WWE, They're, that they no longer will be tied with them. I mean, this is a massive, massive deal, mainly because the Bellas are very different from a lot of the other wrestlers in the WWE, uh, men and women. They have... A unique fan base there's a lot of people that are fans of the bellas then on the flip side chad cooper i can tell you something for from experience i worked at tvg as a network a tv station having promotion having social media accounts the reason why you know who i am is because of tvg
2: the reason why (laughs) you and i met
0: you know so for as, as much as i'll I'll say things didn't go great at the end for me with TVG. That got me to be me. Nobody knows who I am without TVG. Like, and the same thing for the Bellas with WWE. Not nobody, but we've seen when stars leave the WWE, it's a little bit different when you don't have the machine, the WWE machine to promote, to produce, to have everyone sending out tweets, YouTube channels. They run commercials on Ma, SmackDown, NXT, everything. When you don't have that promotion, it makes your life a little more difficult. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. It's not always the same for everyone. But I will say, for many folks, what helps them is just the machine of the WWE promoting everything. So I'll be very interested to see where the Bellas, quote-unquote, the Garcia twins, show up now. Because you sent me a message that said, Seems like all the AEW talent are sending some very positive tweets out about the Garcia slash Bella twins.
2: You know, let me give you my take on it. And uh, for for what it is, the Bellas uh, were a big part of the WWE women's division. Whether you wanted to call it the Divas division, the women's division, it is what it is. Whether you liked them or you didn't like them, they just were. And uh, they became very popular Uh, they developed a following, um, from a younger audience who may not have been a fan of professional wrestling or the WWE that got them interested in it. But on the, on the flip side, there are a lot of anti, especially here over the last couple of years. And it's just interesting now how everyone is a quote unquote Bella fan, but here's my take on it. The Garcia twins does not have the same ring to it as the Bella twins. And I'm sorry. I've said this from day one. There's you lose a lot when you walk away from the machine and God love them. Hey, look, they've been dancing with the stars. Uh, They've had a show on E um, several shows on E. um, uh, Then they just had a special over the last couple of months about Nikki, her wedding. Um, there was a, like a three or four part special just about her, uh, getting married to the guy. Um, I can't, I wouldn't be able to pronounce his name anyway, but, um, I, I just look if, if AEW is trying to bring them in and if what, they what, think- well, what are they going to do that? Well, that's the next exactly. question, right? Because they're not wrestling every week. This well, and not they're,
0: Are they even wrestling anymore? My, my, and my, let me say, I, I want to give both of them credit especially Nikki, she got herself to be a very good in-ring worker. She improved a hell of a lot. And both of them did because, uh, Bree married to Brian Danielson. You could see a lot of his influence as they started to get closer. And when, uh, when Nikki was with John Cena at the time, you could see a little influence there, but they worked their butts off to just get a lot better in the ring. They weren't, some of the women that you can only throw in there for 30 seconds and have a match, they worked hard to get to a very respectable in-ring level. The problem is, like you said, you hit it. They're the Bellas. First off, that's the name that everybody knows them as. Nobody knows the Garcia twins yet. They had to delete their YouTube channel because it was tied to WWE, which was, I mean, think about how many subscribers you have on that channel now that you got to sort of start all over. Um, I, I think they're stars. And I think sort of like how I feel about Sasha, uh, Mercedes right now, in the right setting, in the right place and time, they can come off like a big star. Remember, the first time Sasha showed up in New Japan, it was awful that first night. But then the second time, it was way better. I think it's going to be something like that. I just feel like your consistency won't be there. You might have good nights and bad nights.
2: Do you think they wrestle? Well, my question is, how soon do you think one of them, if not both, show up on Aew as you soon. said we're taping early? do you think do you think it's this week that they no. show up? I think if I actually if I were Aew, I would do it right away. I would they would be there Wednesday night, yes, and I would and be promoting. Yes.
0: I'd be promoting that they are going to open the show and whatever, right? You can also think about how Brian Danielson just had a storyline where he left for a while some Brie can be involved in that if you want it sure. in like a sure. real life way. Um, So they're I don't know what they want to do as far as wrestling anymore. I don't know if they still have any aspirations to wrestle if they want to, maybe they're done taking bumps. They don't need to. All I know is I would go get them. Cause I think they can make some stuff happen even more than any of the women they've got so far that the, the problem is, you better have a plan for them. Right? Don't just yeah, go get see them. them every
2: just like uh, every 6 weeks they pop they up. They cut
0: a promo and then they're Mark Henry in the big show. Sure. Right? We don't know what they're doing, where they are, anything like that. If you're going to bring them in and have them talk, have a plan because they can move the needle a little bit. I'm jury's out. I'm not going to going to react negatively or positively to this sure. one way or the other because I think I like them. I think they're smart and they have a following it's just gotta kind of it's kind of starting all over right now it
2: is it is yeah it's an interesting time look and the same is going to happen with aew there look there's already talk right now that the young bucks and kenny omega may not end their careers with aew yeah they may be in wwe there's a changing of the guard the way that that vince mcmahon has run things even though there's been rumors vince has been back but at the end of the day, Vince McMahon is not running Raw on SmackDown. He's just not, guys. We we we've got to we got to we got to stop with these 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 the silliness that that's going on social media. But there's reports out there that hey, there was reports two years ago when Kenny Omega re-signed with AEW, he was legitimately, legitimately looking at jumping to WWE. So there's going to be some instances uh, where both sides are going to lose big stars. Do I think their wrestling days are over uh, every week? Absolutely. Because they could have, I mean, look, the, if you're going to wrestle all the time, you, you go to WWE and do it, because that's where you get paid to do it. And that's where most of the eyes are. But yeah, I mean, not,
0: the, Nikki was on a show, was it Nikki or Brie that was on that show right after Raw on USA, that bar rescue?
2: Yeah, that's Nikki,
0: yeah. that was. And yeah. so, I mean, they were even have ties with the networks, you know, yeah. USA. And, and,
2: and so, and, look, it, it's... Uh, it's not easy. Just look at just look at the folks that jump over and their name changes. And, and I tell you what, I, you would think it's easier to jump to AEW because at least they're on a major network and you're going to be seen. But look, there's been one person who's been able to rewrite, rewrite the blueprint of this, and that's Matt Cardona, aka Zack Ryder. He has been able to do this. Not many has been able to do it. Uh, not do it like that. So I don't know, man, it, it's, uh, they've got a lot of work to do. They're starting over. They still look the same. They still sound the same. They're, they're, they're very entertaining, but the Garcia twins does not have the same ring to it as the Bella twins.
0: Doesn't let's get the SmackDown this week, this week, because we're recording a little bit earlier. Um, It is Wednesday. I'm going to get everything in before the NCAA tournament this week. So we're just going to be talking a lot about WWE, because we haven't even had the chance to watch AEW Dynamite quite yet. But on SmackDown, we were wondering how they were going to do it. There were rumors that it was going to be Drew McIntyre versus Gunther. Sheamus had a possibility of getting in there. And they had a fatal four-way. That actually was a fatal five-way because Kofi got hurt. So they let Xavier fill the role. It was Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross, Sheamus, LA Knight, and Xavier Woods. And we... They got to where they needed to get to with getting Drew McIntyre and Sheamus both in the match. The five-way was fine. It was good. It was above average. And Drew McIntyre and Sheamus both had simultaneous pins that let them both win the match. So we will have a triple threat match. It looks like come WrestleMania, Sheamus versus Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. I mean, that thing is going to be an absolute banger.
2: Yeah, if you're going to do a triple threat, a three-way uh, these are the, you know, Seamus is the one. We, you know, we, we had this matchup last week with with Drew and Gunther. Um, I don't know who wins this title. It doesn't really matter to me because whoever wins or loses is going to come out of this match stronger than ever. And I still think, and I'm still sticking by it. I'm all in on Gunther being the WWE World Champion. Is uh, that a way
0: you do it, right? Do you have yeah Gunther lose? without getting pinned. And then you can
2: even, you can elevate him to face Cody. Look, I'm telling you this right now, and I think you and I both know, when Roman Reigns loses at WrestleMania, he's not going to go on this chase of Cody Rhodes.
1: No, he's
0: He's off TV for two months, or he goes right into the, if he's not off TV, he has this, like, he breaks, and he goes nuts on the bloodline. And then his his storyline transfers back to his family and i don't he's not chasing the title back i don't no, think i think and, he and, loses and it and i don't he's...
2: think i don't think we need a mid uh, we need a mid not not mid card but a mid term mid heat cody first uh, title defense cuz you and i both know we talk about this once you get that damn title now comes the hard part and i think this would be absolutely perfect it's cody 103 the imperial with Gooser. This is perfectly set up. Let Drew or Sheamus win this title. Guther chases Cody, and uh, we, we're going to have some really fun matches. Uh, I, I would, dude. I would Cody love.
0: I would love that you have one hundred percent. Sheamus beat Drew, or something along those lines. One of them beat the other. Just go they can the feud the over, over it. Each other exactly. Well, they they feud over it because where do we go next? Do you want like a Sheamus versus Drew? When is the match in uh, for, for, like, a Money in the Bank or one of those big shows that they have in London, you know, in the U.K.? That would be a huge match to have, a Sheamus versus a Drew. Like, that crowd would go absolutely nuts for those guys with the IC title of the line. You could oh, yeah. put you could put Gunther in one of those big matches, you know, in the U.K., and he would be almost a babyface there. You know, that that might work great, too. Gunther up against, I, I absolutely love this. You have Gunther lose the IC title without losing, and then you put him right away on Monday to go after Cody. Right away. I
2: agree. I agree. 100%. I lost Monday, the
0: IC I, I, title, yeah. and I did not even get pinned. That is, you know, he's furious, and he goes after
2: the world title. It's and just, you've got a really good, good versus evil. You know what I'm saying? Good guy, Gunther's bad guy. from the United States. Cody Rhodes has got it on his neck. Come on, the American nightmare. I mean, let, let's let's not wait around with this. If we if we miss all of our predictions for WrestleMania, let's get this one coming out right. This, this is this is a smoke. This is a smoker, man. And then you got two great matches coming out of it. You know, you, you've got Drew Sheamus, uh, regardless whoever's the champion, and you've got Cody defending against the next big thing. this this, you, this is you, you can't uh, wait around for Guther you
0: know, no, and you tie back into their, their rumble at the end of the rumble when they went at it for a while with those two, you know, oh, it yeah. already, it already had that little build. Um, I, I, like it. We started to get the hall of fame announcements. Ray Mysterio was this. first announced and he was interrupted by Dominic man between Smackdown and then raw dude. He says, dad. You miss Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, soccer games to make the Hall of Fame. And then when he was cutting his promo on Monday, he <laughs> said, you know, you missed my birthday for WrestleMania. And when all the other kids were getting, what he said, when all the other kids were getting uh BF, or what he, he, he talked about a car, about cars. Oh, he said, when all the other kids got Mercedes, you got me a BMW? And it wasn't even an m series. It was one of the greatest, the greatest lines. I was like, where, how is he going to go with this? Because you got to be careful. You know, you could very easily have Ray be the bad guy for being away from the family, right? Sure. Like, so they, they had, they did a great job of making Dominic seem like that whiny, bitchy little kid complaining that his BMW wasn't the right BMW. <laughs> how did Dominic become this? Coop, we were a year ago going, "What are we gonna do with this
2: guy?" And now he's one of the best things on TV every week. I mean, it just shows you they're a little bit smarter than you and I, Gino. I'm they not are. saying they're they, you know, that much, much. But yeah, we were like, "Man, they've missed the boat on this." they're still, t- you know, there's look, they they do things for a reason, and the majority of the time, whether we bitch or 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 praise it, a majority of the time it is the right moves, and it just. Who would have thought, though, who would have thought this kid um, who was okay, um, but we still thought he was only there because he was Mysterio was his last name. You know, Dominic Mysterio was Ray Mysterio's kid, and he was okay, and he d- did a couple of moves okay and did some high-flying stuff. Uh, they were there to see his dad in the match, and they were, oh, it's th-, you know, it's it's Ray's kid, but holy cow, man, it, it, this has just been... We talk about little nuggets that have turned out to be just absolute, you know, bangers on a show that's filled with them. He's, he's been a, uh, I'm not want to say a pleasant surprise, but he's been a breakout star. Yeah. I mean, th- he's a star, man. This this kid could, could main event raw can main event smack down with him. And, and Rhea, if Rhea gets this title at mania,
0: dude, and, it's gotta and, be they, LA night or Dominic that wins the money in the bank. Yes. Now it does. Now it does. Could you see him with that briefcase just being so whiny and weaselly and just like teasing every time that he was going to cash it in? And then no, 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 not time yet. I like that would just be great. Um, I mean, and just some good wrestling on the show. We had a six man tag. We then had a tag team match with the uh, the Viking Raiders versus Braun and Ricochet. Um, Viking Raiders pick up the win there. Then we had Charlotte Flair get a win over Shotzi. What they've been doing on on the last few weeks, which I think is a a solid thing, too, we've got these WrestleMania matches set up. I don't want to see them wrestle three or four times before Mania. And they do that sometimes. They're not doing it this this year. You know, Charlotte's getting built by winning some matches along the way. Cody Rhodes, he had a match with LA Knight. Uh, He had a match with Gable the last few weeks, right? He's not necessarily... In tag team matches with Roman Reigns... To where the point... The time we get there... We're already sick of it... I think they've been doing a good job... In that sense... Getting a lot of our major players on TV... Having them pick up wins... And continuing to build them... To Wrestlemania... And... The the only thing I will say is... They have completely... Got me... With the bloodline stuff... Because I keep... Th- like... I, I keep wondering... When's it gonna happen? When is KO and Sammy gonna come together... And every time it's like, nope, not this week, not this show, not this week. <laughs> and they keep pushing it. And I'm like, I, I, we know it's coming, but I'm getting a little bit anxious now as the weeks get closer and closer to WrestleMania Uh, you know, we know that the Usos are now solely, um, United, the Usos, Solo, Roman, the bloodline, they're all back together on a united front. And on Monday night, Kevin Owens told Sammy and Cody, I don't want your help. Don't come out and save me. Don't get involved in my match. Don't help me at all. I don't want anything to do with you. And they added another layer to this now. I just keep waiting for it, Coop. And it it feels like, you know, we still have a few weeks left, but this has got to happen soon. They're they're timing it well, though. Like whenever they have that moment when Sammy and KO come together, it's going to be an awesome moment. I just keep like,
2: are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? What what are they doing here? You know, they did it perfectly, what, a couple of Fridays ago with Cody coming out and saving saving Sammy and then KO saying, hey, look, I I don't want anyone's help. I, I tell you this, man, God love Kevin Owens. This guy continues to take bump after bump, and that bump he took, from the top rope onto those still chairs and those chairs didn't move at all. I grimaced on Monday night. I, I, I just grimaced. I thought it was a fantastic match. I thought it was a fantastic ending them kind of dragging him to the ring. Uh, the crowd just, you know, chanting Sammy, Sammy. I don't know when they're going to do this. I, I wouldn't think you could wait till the week of, um, but when they do get that together, and when they do hug, uh, that crowd's going to erupt. And uh, if they do go on to WrestleMania and defeat the Usos for the tag team championship, it's going to be a pretty special moment. I, I I I was a little down after the Rumble and said, you know, this is a consolation prize for Sami Zayn, and, and it's not going to work. I, I'm giving it time. I think it will. Uh, they've especially- been telling,
0: they've continued to tell the story, which at least I appreciate. Right? Sure. It wasn't like Sammy loses or Sammy doesn't win the title and then he's just pushed back down the card like what happened to Kofi when Kofi lost to Brock, you know? I think that's what people were worried about is Sammy going to lose and then just be done and not even a big part of the show anymore. And and, and, we're, and we're not seeing that. At, at least right, he still right. does feel like he will be a big part moving forward.
2: Sure. No, I, 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 I completely agree. And I think you have the moment when they finally hug in the ring all right, we're here for each other, and we're coming after the Usos, and then they defeat the. I'm like, look, I don't know, I don't know. We we know one of the nights is it, Roman and Cody. That's got to be the main event for night one. It's got to be. This has to be
0: the main event for night one. There's nothing else that's hot enough. There's show. There's things that you can put there. You can put Charlotte Rhea. You can put Ben Balor and Edge.
2: You could put, which uh, I kind of feel like with the Hell in a Cell. I think they're maybe wanting that to be it, but. It, it, I, I just don't know if if that's big enough over, I agree. The, over these tag team titles. Because the be storyline story has been the biggest over the last several years. It'll be good. Edge opens up
0: Monday Night Raw. And I do like what he, like the way he framed this, saying, look, I don't have a lot of time anymore. I'm not going to, I don't want to be wasting my time for months and months and months with you. And he even sort of. I got things to do. I want to win a title before I'm out of here. I don't have a whole lot of time left. I thought it was good. He challenges Finn Balor, and Balor said something along the lines of, I've been to hell, but it couldn't handle my demons, so it spit me back out. I thought it was a great line from Finn. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and these two guys should, you know what? At that moment when Finn stepped up, he felt like, I was like, oh, this is, this is a big moment for Finn. It sort of felt like, Yeah, big moment for Finn on the WrestleMania stage. We forget that this is a guy who was supposed to be one of the guys, like one of the main guys. He was the first ever Universal Champion. So... Are you okay?
2: Does this destroy Finn if Edge goes over?
0: I don't think so. Okay. I think as long as it's a good... As long as it's not like a burial. I think being in the match, having a good 20-minute, 30-minute WrestleMania match with Edge should help. So I'm I'm okay with this. As um, we had just the Judgment Day, picking up a win. Um, actually, it was a pretty good match Priest and, and Mysterio get the win there And the crowd was a little bit more into it They're getting a little bit more behind Gargano They were kind of into yeah. um, into Loomis yeah. a little bit So, slowly but surely They're building him up We'll talk about Johnny in a second with, uh, with NXT We had the Omos-Lesnar face-to-face Now, a couple things One, the visuals of this were awesome The way they made it look With Omos and Brock standing next to each other, showing how huge Omos is. Brock, I thought, did a good job selling it. Like, he didn't act like, ah, screw I don't want to be a part of this. He was giving some good facial reactions. The only thing is, is we, even in just this few seconds, like, Omos had trouble getting Brock over the top rope with the clothesline. It was a little clunky there, and I think that is the concern that we all have. It looks great. He looked awesome. The visual of it, when he put his hand over his face, that that was cool. And I think when Brock gets up Omos for the F5, it'll be cool. I'm a little worried about the match overall, a spot or two being blown. Now, if these two guys are just brawling in what's attempting to be a brawl, maybe it doesn't matter that much if there's a spot or two blown because it it just sort of looks real, right? Like two big guys fighting. It's not going to be clean and and like choreographed like it is for like a ricochet match, right?
2: No. And I saw, I saw a lot of, you know, and maybe it deserved a, you know, that spot, you know, a a botch or whatever it is. And then they made a big deal about, oh, Brock left immediately after his, uh, you know, his segment on Raw, uh, to, to kind of portray he wasn't happy. Well, number one, Brock does whatever Brock wants to do, and it's in his contract. And look, the man put in his work. He's he's probably leaving after every segment, right? I You know, I did think it was a cool moment. The fans, I thought the crowd in Rhode Island on Monday night was a little interesting. I thought they were dead in certain spots, but I thought they popped in certain spots. Mm-hmm. And the biggest pop of the night was the, the face-off. With you with know what, I, and, and Brock Lesnar, it, it wasn't perfect. I won't say that it was,
0: and sure, I'm not expecting this. Not. I'm not expecting this to be the match of the night. I will say I'm more intrigued by it after Monday than I was before Monday. One hundred percent. Yeah. So that's that's their job, right? Each week to make us more interested in it and to build it up. I think last week was it an A plus plus? No. Was it a B minus? Sure. You know, like. Passing grade made me a little bit more intrigued. And now where are they going to go next week? I'm okay with it. And um, what I like to see is that guys like LA Knight, Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, they don't really have anything planned or set up for Mania right now. But we keep seeing them on TV because they're they're letting us know almost, we're going to have something for these guys after Mania. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that way. And like, think about LA Knight. You know, he doesn't have anything going on, but in just the last week, LA Knight was in that five way on SmackDown with Drew and Sheamus, and he was in the ring with all of them, and he did not look out of place. And then he's got a 15, about a 10, 12 minute match with Cody Rhodes, the guy who's going to be in the main event of WrestleMania, and he does not look out of place there. So, This is a guy, in just a couple months, since he's come up to the main roster, we've seen him in the ring and having feuds with Bray Wyatt, who they thought was over. We don't know what's going on with Bray, so it's kind of hard to speculate. What right now, is he hurt? Did he walk away? Something. We saw LA Knight in the ring with The Undertaker. He's been in the ring with Drew, with Sheamus, and he stood in the ring with Cody. If they didn't like this guy or think that he could be something they wouldn't be putting him in the ring to interact with some of their biggest talents, Chad. So it's at least good to see him there. He's not getting squashed. Even when he loses to Kofi or to Cody 10 minute matches where, you know what? It's fine for a heel to lose clean like this. He's the type of guy who's supposed to kind of cheat to win or be a
2: little slimy. Well, you know, you kind of, uh, took my thunder a little bit, uh, early when we talked earlier today, when we talked, uh, money in the bank briefcase winners, I, I think this guy is going to win the money in the bank briefcase, match. It fits perfect. It just does. And, and it's like that mold. You know, if you look at trends, you know, these WWE guys, um, you, you know, when you, when you're in matches and you're losing them, but they're meaningful matches, You got to pay attention to little things like that. This is the guy earlier in the week on Monday afternoon, went to Twitter and said, hey, look, I'm L.A. Knight. Um, I'm a star and I'm not on WrestleMania and I'm here to denounce that. I want to be on WrestleMania and I'm calling out anybody. I'm going to Raw tonight and I'm going to wrestle. And then about an hour later, Cody tweets him and says, hey, look, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, you, you're a stud, man. You're the man. I'll meet you in the ring tonight. And I think they're showcasing him. And you don't have to have a winning streak to no. go into a gimmick match like Money in the Bank to win it. And I think he is the winner because you need someone with that briefcase that can what, Gino? Do can t- promos. T- 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 that, can tell, a brother, that can tell a entertain. story that can entertain who can do it right now better than LA Knight
0: yeah. i many. heard this i'm not going to pretend like it was me that came up with this i i heard this on the wade keller show but can we get la knight out at wrestlemania he could he walks out he cuts a promo about how he's not on the show how can la knight not have a match at wrestlemania what the hell is this you and then austin the glass shatters. Austin comes out. We get an LA
2: night. Austin in the ring. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Well, you know, uh, why? If, if the, a, hey, a you you're on it. You know, you and Keller are making a good point because they're still doing everything they can for Austin to make an appearance and be in some sort of quote unquote match at this and year's you don't WrestleMania. Even have to be a because match? last year it was it was it went so so well. well that they wanted to do that again.
0: And maybe it's, it's just him interrupting, coming out, getting to hit his stunner, drink his beers. And that would be the perfect guy in the ring to talk trash to, to stun. And it would work out great. So I, I feel like we're going to see him on the card at some point, get come out, cut a promo and then get decked, which is what should happen for LA night. Our guy, we, um, Cody cut one of his better promos too where he said, look, I'm going to stay out of the bloodlines business. He said, hey, man, if you want to fight with Sammy or KO, you guys can do that. He told me not to make it personal. This has been personal for 21 years for me, or this has been personal since I was on this show at 21 years old. I wear a tailored suit, not because I think I'm somebody, because I want to be somebody. He said, I acknowledge Roman Reigns, but you need to acknowledge me. I've been undefeated since coming back. Uh, I grew up, th- I grew up thinking he was a prince in this industry, but didn't have the undisputed universal championship on April 2nd, night two of WrestleMania. The sun goes down in Hollywood and goes down on Roman Reigns title. Waited. It was dude. It was like a goosebumpy promo here. It was fantastic. And I absolutely loved it. And he's a star, man. It- it's Cody's time.
2: Yeah. That, it's just uh, <laughs> uh, the promos just seem to get better and better, you know? Uh, agree. You know, I, I admit we were we were a little concerned that they didn't uh, go with the hot hand with Sami Zayn, but uh, it, it's all has worked itself out, and uh, his his just promos are spectacular. You know, it kind of began with this first night after the Rumble, and he said, "Hey, look, you know, I know I know you guys. Sami Zayn's the guy. If look, if he beats Roman Reigns in Elimination Chamber, then it's me and Sami." You know, and then came the promo with him and Paul Heyman. And if you had any doubts before that, that Cody wasn't the guy to be in the main event of WrestleMania with Roman Reigns, then there was no doubt. There was no doubts left after that. This promo again, this past Monday, just fantastic. This is, and I look, I'm not going to compare apples and oranges and I hate to say it that way, but I think the biggest mistake that AEW Tony Khan has made is letting this guy go because you uh, look you talked about we, we look everyone talked about the way WWE treated Cody Rhodes at the end of it Stardust this and that yeah yeah it wasn't any good but he wasn't treated all that well at the end of AEW either okay They should
0: have never let him have the stipulation where he couldn't win the they title right the off shark. the bat they, that We both just... said that was that was it it was over that was... The the company hadn't even started. It wasn't (laughs) even like it was like what you
2: haven't even been chasing it forever. Like what is why is this? I just for him and and maybe he comes back to WWE because he appeared at WrestleMania with a chip on his shoulder and this is the new Cody Rhodes. But I tell you what, you talk about missing the boat on not signing a big free agent. This is uh that this is going to one that uh, AEW will will never forget because this guy is hitting on all cylinders. This is the best Cody Rhodes we've ever seen.
0: It is uh, Austin Theory picked up a win over Dawkins. Almost looks like they're building something for Theory and the Street Profits maybe for Aftermania as as maybe a Montez Ford interaction with him i bet you we get montez versus theory coming up this next week on raw and yeah, this is sort and, of what, what and, they're doing right they don't have cena to build week in week out and that's so they kind of talked can,
2: about last week yeah they yeah, can kind of but...
0: use the profits because i heard somebody say doesn't doesn't it feel like cena would be buddies with the street profits like if they were on the roster today they'd be like the good guys that came out together and would do six-man tags all the time so yeah it sort of sort of fits there and
2: um I, do you do you? I, I, and I kind of feel it, and I know they do it a lot, and they just kind of do it and never go back to it. Do you feel like we can get a Montez turn and let him be the heel? Could be a heel,
0: man. That because okay, this is where I'm gonna go. One of the most disappointed builds, maybe for me, the most disappointing is Bianca and Nasca.
2: Oh, this is a train wreck. I told you this. Yes, sir. It's a train there's wreck.
0: There's just well, there's just nothing to it. Like they're honestly. There's no build. It's just they they walk out there. They don't even cut promos or say anything. And unfortunately, this has been happening for a while with Bianca. She's been the same all the way since she's come up. No tweaks to her character. And now for the last, basically ever since the War Games match, following the War Games match, they were going to have her face Rhea Ripley, and then remember, Rhea got hurt. Alexa ended up moving into that spot and it was like th- they didn't really have very much build for the rumble match to for Alexa and they have had no build at all to this match with Asuka. How cool would it be out of nowhere if Bianca and Montez both turned heel and they were just like, Bianca was the same exact character, but a heel Montez was just showing off and like, you guys all thought I was a tag team guy and I couldn't, I, I couldn't be a star he could easily just talk about how big of a star he is. Uh, Angelo was holding him down. And the two of them could be this heel power couple. That would be awesome. I think it would be fantastic.
2: Oh, I, I, I would love it. Especially, especially the Montez. And the the way this post-match between Bianca and Chelsea, which, by the way, I thought my friend Chelsea Green just did fun. She, she done phenomenal work future tag and,
0: team champions chelsea green and yeah, uh I lo- carmella I love
2: chelsea and, and look i could see her winning uh the the women's the, money in the bank she should know? i'm not saying that it should always be a, a heel yeah it should always be a heel but the post-match uh, oscar comes out there to help bianca then does something stupid with the mist and kind of stands there with the belt and dances I I honestly don't know what she was doing. She was like, she was laughing. No, the crowd didn't know, and neither did the commentators. And that's, if you've lost the commentary team who knows what's going on, you're in trouble. This this match heading into WrestleMania, I'm telling you right now has trouble written all over it. And the the only positive is once
0: those two get out in the ring, after about five minutes, they're going to be great. Sure. but but g like that can't be like the the main event or anything like that because there's oh. just no build to it that can be a match in the middle of the card that maybe overexceeds your expectations but i just don't think anyone's going into that thinking we're going to get a Bianca Becky match like we got was that last year or Bianca Sasha like we got a couple years ago it, it just doesn't feel like the build to this is anything like those we uh, we had Solo Sokoa pick up the win over Kevin Owens in the street fight. Of course, the Usos got involved here. And at the end, they beat down Kevin Owens, who's basically, like, spitting up in the ring. He did a good job. He looked like he was just, like, I was like, man, is Kevin Owens really, like, spitting up bile in there? Good acting. KO, you, you, you popped me there. <laughs> next, next week, we've got Logan Paul hosting Impulsive, Austin Theory, Montez Ford, can they coexist beyond that's when you know
2: hey this is when you know it's in trouble, in when trouble. You pack them up cuz they've been like, right. under, under the hunter Hearst, helm's helmsley era we haven't we've seen we've been that. able to avoid this uh right. man this is, this is when is... that's the
0: that's the tip of the cap that
2: something's <laughs> in trouble the can they coexist
0: they <laughs> will they or won't they as we headed over to a loaded episode of NXT yeah, it was Yeah, there was a lot that happened on NXT. First up, Johnny Gargano hits the music, and uh, he comes out to talk about how, what he wants to teach his son, and you have to finish your story, and he wants to come home. He said, Grayson Waller jumped me, and I wanted to watch you to see what you did with it, and you did nothing. You whined and you cried, and you're no chompa, and you're no uh, great NXT champion. So they had a kind of a back and forth throughout the show. I thought was pretty well done for most of it. Grayson Waller goes on Instagram Live and is like right <laughs> in front of Gargano's house. And Gargano finds out, uh, Vic has to tell Gargano, he heads back to his house. And then the 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 fights at the houses are always kind of, they're cool. The one thing about this that I thought was wonky. So Candice LeRae opens the door <laughs> while they're fighting and they're just out. Like, someone's just beating the shit out of your husband on the steps, and you just open the door with the baby. Like, hey, what's going on? (laughs) Hey, you guys need to stop it. Like, I don't know if they told her not to make it seem like a big deal. She was acting, like somebody said, like the annoyed mom when their two brothers are fighting. Like, that's what she came off like. Not like (laughs) someone who was truly scared. And I always think it's funny when someone shows that at a person's house, like, what the hell was Grayson Waller gonna do?
2: Yeah, man, what, didn't, uh, didn't The Viper, uh, who did Randy uh, Orton stalk one time? He did um, this,
0: was it Stephanie? No, it was, like, Edge did this To John Cena's dad,
2: Right, I remember um, Who's wife or- Orton got he did or- this to someone's wife, too Yeah, yeah, he was a stalking So, you know, it's uh, They never really do what it's Supposed to do, you know Especially when, you know, there's A baby involved <laughs> <laughs> like, what does she – or, you know, like, lo- logistically,
0: put the baby down, go outside with a bat, and scare off Grayson Waller. Or, like, call your next-door neighbor. Can you come don't over here and watch the baby? Call the cop. <laughs> Do something. Like, don't just be like, hey, guys, stop <laughs> that out there. I don't know. It, I, I, I think – I like the passion, the build, and I think Grayson Waller has been doing a pretty good job. That was just one of those, like, roll-your-eyes moments at the end where it's like, okay. But um, this match will be good. Like, this show, this takeover or stand-and-deliver, they're building, is going to be very, very good. Um, And you know what? I will say, I'm not a fan of Gallus. I thought this match was pretty damn good. Gallus was, was, good. was pretty deadly. And Gallus picks up the win. So, hey, I'll tell you if I don't like someone or an angle – just like we did about the Gargano storyline. But damn, this is a match that overachieved for me, uh, for an act that I don't love. I thought they did a really good job in ring.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I've 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 been bullish on them. I, I I didn't really want anything to do with them, but the the match delivered. And that's what you hope. That that's how you get someone that's how you get your interest back on people, regardless if you got a title or not. If you can throw down inside that squared circle. Uh, we're going to appreciate it more. And they did. They delivered uh, Tuesday night.
0: The um, the build continues for the big pay-per-view. So we, first, we've got backstage Briggs is, like, hiding behind a plant, which is hilarious. He's, like, in camouflage. This is Operation Boyfriend. They're trying to figure out who Sebastian is. Man, this, again— this is like a soap opera, stupid storyline drama, but I'm pretty intrigued by this, Coop. I'm pretty intrigued by this. And I love the fact that when he's hiding by the bush, like he's trying to blend in with the camouflage and he's like the same thing. It was hilarious.
2: I just hope there's a good payoff because I, I, I hate to admit this, but I'm invested. Me too. <laughs> I'm invested in this nonsense and it's, uh, it's pretty good it's pretty good i've always been a fallon henley fan you know brooks and jensen we've been making fun of them since the beginning and then they've kind of won it won us over and then now we're invested in the ww nxt days of our lives evening you know we've got bars up for grabs and now there's cheating and all kind of scandal involved i just hope it's a good payoff i hope it's a really good payoff at the end
0: so what do you think we're doing uh or what do you think about the women's storyline here? Because man, Rock-
2: I am throwed off here. I have no idea. Zero,
0: they stripped zero. Roxanne of the title acting like the injury was legit. Well, we all figured it wasn't. And they said that they need to be ready to crown a new women's champion at stand and deliver. So they're going to have a couple matches to qualify people into a ladder match. Saul Ruka versus Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark gets the win. It wasn't a long match, but damn, they have these two are impressive. Like they have yeah. some really impressive spots here. I knew Soul
2: wasn't gonna win, but I was hoping she would, but uh it was uh it was a good match.
0: And then we had uh, I mean everybody was back on this show. Scripps, NXT Anonymous
2: were back on look, this show. Look, and before we get to the, the second women's match, uh look the promos and, and the vignettes for scripps are amazing i just something is missing when i see him Me too. you know it i looks I, I'm,
0: like I'm it intrigued. looks
2: like it's like some mask
0: that you'd put on at a kid's party or so it just doesn't look
2: like no and i'm intrigued by the the promos and you know the skits that they're doing and then when i actually see him that is there's just a missing connection there but i um. I, I love the i love the stuff they do with him
0: so Alba Fire and Isla Dawn pick up the win for the new number one women's tag team championship contenders. Didn't they we have feel a turn like turn
2: within a turn in that match or something. Yeah. It Ivy was got...
0: yeah. It w- yeah, Ivy Nile got turned on by Tatum. It feels like they might be the next tag team champions, right? They've got a look. They're sort of a team they that they put together. Um, maybe we get like a stable of Wiccan. Some could women be. witch some witches. <laughs> it some could w- be some witch some witches <laughs> out there. Um, we actually had Tony D and Stax talking about how they're going to go for tag team gold.
2: Yeah. Yep. I
0: like this. I this, do too. This is good for Tony D and for Stax. It gives them a little purpose. We had Dragonoff and, uh, McDonough says, you can't quit me. <laughs> Which was <laughs> great. These two guys talk about how they've battled through different promotions, different storylines. Uh, McDonough said, I tried to get away from you, but you followed me here. And then as this sort of all kind of led into the Wesley North American title open challenge, he talks about how, you know, anyone can come out. There's a huge brawl and Wesley's kind of brawling with Dragonoff and McDonough. It leads him to going, asking Shawn Michaels for a one on 10 match. He's like, I want 10 of these guys all out there. Shawn Michaels says, I'll give you four. So we're going to have an NXT North American title fatal five-way match, which oh, yeah. is going to be incredible. I bet you both of these two guys are in it, right? McDonough sure. and, oh, and Dragonoff.
2: Well, they better be.
0: Yeah. You put the they two of them be. in there with Wesley, maybe Axiom who kind of had a little bit of an appearance here and maybe even someone like Scripps.
2: Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I could can,
0: see that. Can throw being, down. I could see that being the match they have. Um, just a little hello, welcome from Dragon Lee in the back. So we checked in with him. I mean, we did cover a ton of ground here. Daba Kato picks up the win over Apollo Cruz. What'd you think about these two? Interesting,
2: interesting, uh, interesting winner of that match. Um, uh, I, I just, man, I just always think poor Apollo, you know, I yeah, don't man. know w- when it's going to happen, but, uh, it certainly doesn't. Doesn't look like uh, I was fine with the match I just you know Apollo just keeps losing And just gets stuck in situations He doesn't seem like he's He's able to pull through he's such a talented Guy too and it's not like they're not Giving him chances you know it just It's it's like it doesn't He just hits singles all the time And never like home runs you know what I mean Or just
0: it's like just okay. That was okay. That was okay. Baseball. Okay. <laughs> um, I like Daba's choke choke out bomb. That looks pretty yeah. good. Like, yeah, that's uh, pretty the, cool. His finishing move. And man, within just a few weeks, Gigi Dolan is, is over. Man, I was waiting for you to get to this match. She is over. Crowd is into her. Her finisher looks awesome. And it sounds like JC Jane has a legitimate injury, which would make sense because we thought that that match last week was a little bit off. Yes. Yes. You know, and yes. and I think if if J C wasn't injured, wouldn't she have come out and interrupted Gigi here? Yes. And like got involved. One hundred percent. So she's got to be legit injured. And I think, and within just a few weeks, they've got a huge babyface star here in the women's division with Gigi. I Cohen. don't know.
2: I don't know who are the next two, uh, entrants into this match. Do, you know? Do you say- go
0: Mako? Because Mako was in that match and then Roxanne, like, does Roxanne show up as the fourth one and the surprise? And well, they're leaning towards
2: that, they're leaving that open. Well, what about Tiffany? God, you got to have Tiffany in regardless. And who who goes over? Do, Do you do it's either look if Roxanne is not involved in this match and Tiffany is, do you go Tiffany or do you go Gigi Dolan or do you think they go with Zoe Stark? I think you go. She would be my third choice, even though she's. I great think you the go ring.
0: heel. I think you go Tiffany, and then you, you let, let the main chase her. Gigi and Roxanne can chase, right? You let the but baby chase. Let me chase. tell you this.
2: Let me tell you this, Gino. Gigi Dolan is a star and right now. He's going to be a big and maybe, main roster star. Completely
0: agree, and you've heard me say it before. Maybe you just put it right on her right now. Maybe you just go for it, um, and you just strike while the iron's hot. I, I agree. You, you might do it. I would have no problem doing that. I would have no problem if they want to go – maybe if they go Zoe or a heel and then let Roxanne – or you know, Tiffany would be the right one. You could have Roxanne show up at the end of the show. Again, they're doing all these Shawn Michaels storylines, right? Yeah, like this, yeah. Yeah. Have Roxanne show up with the other title like how Shawn did with the IC <laughs> title, yeah. right? Yeah, the, two IC, the two IC titles. So that's great. This was – they're it. literally – Leaning into all the Shawn Michaels storylines. How about one more? I love um, it. And then we uh, we have the championship contract signing. Pretty deadly come out and, and make this a little bit more entertaining. They're going to be the hosts. And, and Carmelo is a freaking star. He looks great. And he complimented Braun. He said, dude, you're the guy, but I am him. Now, it's me. It's just – Braun is just so bland, man. When he responds to everything, it's just so, like, straight by the book. There's no layers to it. I mean, I loved Braun interacting with the Creeds a few weeks ago, and then now he seems just so robotic. He needs to be a heel. He needs to be a heel so he can just have to cut these babyface promos and he can just go out there and be a badass because if Braun was talking down to you, it would be great. If he thought that he was like wrestling royalty with the Steiners and stuff, but he comes like, it, man, it was just, it was awkward for him trying to cut this awesome babyface promo while while uh, Carmelo's in there just oozing all this charisma. And
2: <laughs> it's got this is Car- Carmelo's time, right? He wins. Oh, one hundred percent. Bron comes yeah. up to the main roster. Yeah. Well, regardless if he goes to the main roster or not, this is this is chalk here. Uh, he's got to be the favorite to win it. Um, and and maybe this is when Braun snaps and goes away for a little bit and comes back as a heel. Maybe they try that, but Carmelo has to win this title. The match is going to be fun. It It it, is. It's it's a, it's a little contradictory, contradictory in, in styles, a, a little bit different. Carmelo can high fly and Braun's a little bit more power. But I think it's going to be a really fun match. It's going to be the main event. I think they're going to tear the house down. But I think it, 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 Carmelo has to win this title. Has to win this title on Mania weekend.
0: There's a look at what's going on in the world of WWE, SmackDown, Raw, NXT. Coop, couple minutes. I want to. I want to hear yeah. from you. The brackets are out. We're talking yeah. on Wednesday. Give me a couple games that you like, um, and and tell me who you think's going to win this whole thing.
2: You know, I got a handful. Um, the one thing I, I do got to cut a quick promo. I'm sick and tired of all the love fest for the two seeded Texas Longhorns in the Midwest uh, bracket. I, I, I just I've heard about how Texas is just built for this tournament. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. I don't even know if they can get past Texas A and M in the second round. I, round I, two. That'll sure. be a
0: fun matchup if it's Texas Texas A and M right there, huh? <laughs>
2: Uh, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Texas and Colgate. Do I think Colgate can win? No, but they can shoot some threes, and I'm gonna go over in that game 147 and a half. I I, I, I think this I think this will be fun. Um, my boys, the Houston Cougars, who uh, have a little injury bug here with Sasser. I think he's good to go. Don't know if he plays against Northern Kentucky, but they have a horrible offense. I think Tex, uh Houston's gonna flex some muscle here in this first game. This could be like with three or four minutes left to go in the first half, it's like 25 to six. I don't think Northern Kentucky can score against Houston. So I'm going to lay the 19 and a half. Um, I, I think a lot of people have crapped on Miami. I think too many people have jumped on Drake's bandwagon. I'm going to go with you, the hurricanes you No, know, they've got some injuries. I like them minus one and a half. Um, I think Kennesaw States and match up hell with Xavier I'm gonna lay the twelve and a half there. I love Texas AM. Buzz Williams was disrespected last year. He wrote a letter to the committee. And what did they do? They gave him a they gave him a seventh seed against a hot Penn State team, man. They right. Screwed him. I know. So he's he's got a,
0: yeah, he should have been a
2: five, and they catch a team that
0: shoots really well, and it's a bad
2: matchup for them. You know what? But I believe in Buzz. I'm gonna take uh Texas AM uh minus two and a half. Looking at a dog here. I, look, Howard's not going to beat Kansas, but Howard can shoot the three ball a little bit. I'm going to take the 23 and a half points there from Howard. I love that. And just on the other side of the bracket, I'm going to take another dog. I'm not sold on Virginia, the big number four. Seed oh, Furman. Furman, baby. The Paladins, Coop. Two plus five. Look, look, there. look, Virginia, 12 and 18 and two against the spread this year. While Furman is 18 and 13 against the spread plus five and a half. That's it. Only a four seed is given five and a half points to Furman. Love that, dude. I think Florida Atlantic is going to upset Memphis in the first round. I think both teams are pissed off. They got seeded incorrectly. I think, I think the inflation of Memphis beating Houston in the AAC Conference Championship is a little overflated there. I think Florida Atlantic is good enough. I'll take two. They're 21-10 and two against the spread. And my final... I know a lot of people are on Montana State when it comes to the to the NCAA tournament. I don't care. I'm going Kansas State. Tang has done a great job here. Hell, there's rumors he could be the next University of Texas head coach because Rodney Terry is not a big splash of a name regardless of the job. Kansas State is better than Montana State. They play in better conferences. I'm not scared of the big sky, and I'm not scared of the minus eight. Give me Kansas State minus eight. And then I put 100 plus 440 on Arizona to win the South Division.
0: There you go. A loop giving us some plays I'm on, on the, uh, day one and day yes, two. Sir. And then a little overall play on Zona. My man, Chad Coop, thank you so much for hanging out early with us this week. We're going to give you a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Good luck with all your plays. And uh, we'll talk more wrestling next week, buddy.
2: Let's do it, Gino. Let's bring home the big bucks this weekend.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. Make sure to follow Koopaloop, Chad Coop at the Chad Cooper. A big thank you to Koopaloop for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Really, this week in WWE and NXT. No AEW, but we'll double up with AEW and catch up on everything next week. Thanks to Eric for helping us out with the bracket. If you want more help on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come hang out with us on uh, Better Than Vegas in the morning. 5.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Thursday and Friday to preview all 16 of the games for uh, those two days. And then Saturday, Sunday, we'll also be back in the mornings. And uh, if you need help with racing for this weekend, we'll have more posted on social media. Just give me a follow. It's me, Gino B. Don't forget to join our tournament challenge. It's totally free to enter. The group is called That's What G Said, the password 2023 2023. And if you win, you get a hundred bucks and you get to pick a charity that we will donate a hundred dollars to. If you finish second, you get 50 bucks and we pick a charity that you will donate 50. Uh, so that way we can give you a little cash and we can donate some money to charity and also raise some awareness for a couple nice charities. So looking forward to a very fun weekend. And uh, if you need more help with those races, we'll have Friday and Saturday stuff for Santa Anita and Gulfstream. If you just come to social media, it's me, Gino B. Good luck this week. Let's kick back and watch the NCAA Tournament March Madness. couple of the best days in all of sports, Thursday and Friday.